Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, this is Alexandria, and I love dystopian fiction! So I'll be covering Black Mirror. I'm Jane Smith, and we're going to be talking about Firefly. Who's excited? And I'm Douglas Gale, co-host of Doug Space Nine, where we talk about Star Trek. I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! Greetings, Space Nerds. I have an awesome show for you today. We've actually got three segments coming up on the show today. We're going to start out with some space news with Alexandria. We're talking about space tourism. And then we're going to talk about Another Life on Netflix. I keep talking about how I want to talk about Another Life. I sat down and I thought about what is it about Another Life that I love because everyone seems to hate it. So I came up with a list of five reasons why I love Another Life. And I was thinking, you know, I I make these podcast intros sometimes where I talk about things. Why don't I try filming that and putting it on YouTube? So I did. So that video was posted on my YouTube channel a couple days ago. And there's been some interesting comments on the video. So I'm actually going to play you all that audio and then we'll talk about some of the comments. And then I'm going to bring you the audio from the very first episode of Doug Space Nine that was live streamed on YouTube, featuring myself and Douglas Gale talking about the pilot of Deep Space Nine, The Emissary. So let's get started with Space News. Space News! All right, Alexandra, you ready for some Space News? Yes. This is something that that is very exciting for me personally. Okay. Because my entire life, I've wanted to go to space. Okay. Um, okay. Here we go. This is from uh, NBC News. Here's what space tourists will pay for a trip to the International Space Station. Great. Yes. Uh, So, NASA has opened up the International Space Station, the ISS, to tourists, and already companies are buying rides to fly so-called private astronauts up to the laboratory in the sky for a visit. For approximately $52 million per person, you can purchase a seat to fly with SpaceX. And once Elon Musk's space company begins flights to the ISS, I, I saw your brain explode when I said $52 million <laughs> per person. Mm-hmm. The announcement comes after NASA on Friday said it would open the ISS for private astronaut missions of up to 30 days, with the first mission as early as 2020. SpaceX and Boeing have been developing capsules with NASA funding to carry astronauts to the ISS. In turn, NASA will buy seats on those flights but will not necessarily take up all of the seats on each launch, therefore allowing the companies to sell those seats to tourists. So this is something that you're incredibly excited about. Not because I have $52 million, but because this is, I mean, first of all, the first trips to Jurassic Park were very expensive. Uh, and then a lot of people got eaten up and then no one wanted to go. And yeah. then they started selling cheaper tickets and pretty soon we got Jurassic World. Yeah. And it's something that uh, the average family can go do. So eventually the cost of going to space is going to come down after d- dinosaurs attack the International Space Station. I have, That's what I'm getting at. Okay. Jurassic Park <laughs> is not real, right? I think you're missing the point. Okay. Because um, I was like, wait. When you it's can not going to be fifty-two go- million dollars forever. The cost is going to go down, and as by the people time- die, maybe because that's my first thing. My first thing is no, thank you. You go ahead and send these random rich mo's up into the space and see how quickly the rocket gets them there and back safely, and then, and then maybe I will consider after a few really, really great missions. Yeah, but I mean, people die on airplanes. People die in cars. It's it's inevitable that people are going to die. Going, tourists are going to die going to space. I mean, it's that's just, inevitable. I'm, but it's inevitable that people are going to die out on the road every day. It's so very true. I, I feel like... But it's not 
inevitable that I will die out on the road every day. That's true. That's very true. So people can. I don't want to. Right. I plan not to, but you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I, for me personally, if, if there were, you know, a realistically, realistically good statistics million for going to space and it was cheap enough that I could afford it, sign me the fuck that up. That is so wild to me that they have a price tag on it and it's, it's, that's, I can't even fathom that amount of money. I can't sure. even... I mean, that's in, obviously that's an insane amount of money. But like, what I'm saying is And that people can afford it, though, is what down. I'm saying. I mean, you remember when, like, uh, I don't know, what's a good example? When, like, a hard drive, like a terabyte hard drive would have cost, like, $1,000, and now they're $100. Sure. Uh, prices go down on things. <laughs> I can't speak English. <laughs> prices go down on things. So <laughs> this is, like, the first, you know, the first flight to space. And I have, I heard years ago that William Shatner had already bought a seat on one of the That's first adorable. flights to space. Because he's going to be the captain of, of the tourists. Yes. Uh, but the price is going to go down someday. And maybe someday in the future, it will be something accessible to average people like you and me. And maybe safe. And maybe safe enough to be, you know, relatively like conceivable. Like, maybe someday in the future, you know, there'll be family trips to Because I was about to, to ask a real, like... Maybe dumb question. Oh, an airplane. That's someone flying up to space right now. That's someone flying up to space right That's now. That's Elon Musk. My right question now. is the International Space Station, is that up in the air right now? Yeah. Great. So I didn't even know that was a thing. That's been a are thing. there people on the thing? There are. There's like been science working? going on at the International Space Station for years. And that's out in space and they're just floating out there? Yeah. Just orbiting around the Earth. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. I didn't think I knew that. I I follow NASA on Instagram, and there That's was cool. some uh, so like an Instagram story of a of a female astronaut who lives on the International Space See, Station. See, and now everybody's gonna say, about, "How is she a space nerd? She didn't even know about the International Space Station." Well, you can be a science fiction space nerd and not necessarily a science fact space nerd. That's true. But we're here. We're here to bring the knowledge. That's true. You're bringing and the facts and the fiction. My grasp on facts is tenuous, <laughs> you know, at best. <laughs> So this is a good project for me also. Cool. Yeah. I, I don't know that many things. And a lot of the things that I do know are about dinosaurs that aren't real. And Jurassic Park and Jurassic Star Trek Park. and Star okay, Wars. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, and that's all. As you rudely pointed out, not real. Um, but- <laughs> because I was like, wait, he threw that out there like you could actually go to Jurassic Park. I mean, have you heard of sarcasm? No, yeah, have but you seen the Jurassic I was Park looking movies? at your face and your your brilliantly goofy smile, <laughs> and you said people went to drag to Jurassic Park, and I was like, does he know that people didn't actually? Go? I know sarcasm. Well, the answer is maybe. Okay. Oh, Long story short, would you go to outer space if it were commercially available in a way that was affordable to you? And the statistics for the safety of it were were similar to flying in an airplane. Possibly. Possibly. I'm also incredibly afraid of airplanes. How, how often have you flown? I fly when I when I have to, but uh, <laughs> that's very specific. Yeah. Are you? What do you mean? Agent? Like how often? <laughs> like how many times have you flown in an airplane in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few times. Okay. Quite a few times. I don't know if I could count. That's how I know I've been okay, on. Okay. So of planes. yeah. So you. But, but you're still afraid. Completely. Like, yeah. I am still the one that is, like, praying on takeoff, praying on landing. Any type of turbulence, I get freaked out. Yeah. I'm, like, I try to sleep through flights so that I don't get 
uh, scared, but I am still very nervous about flying. So strapping yourself into a rocket going to space is not necessarily Woo! your cup of tea. I mean, it doesn't really inspire much confidence. Uh, but to be to be in space and to look back at the Earth, the entire Earth where every human that has ever lived was from, and to see it in like in your own eyeballs, yeah. you know, in one view, that would be the most incredible thing. And to be weightless and to experience like being off of this planet where we've been. Our entire lives. I just think that would be the most incredible transformative experience. That's something that I've always wanted. And the fact that it's now even being talked about in a way where like a schmo like me could potentially do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's big news. Yeah. That's big news. It is big. Yeah. I'm just freaked out by it. Well, that's okay. You don't have to go. It's great. I'll just watch you watch me from the, from the fun fact. Every Miss Universe has been from Earth. And that's the Space News! <laughs> space News! Alright folks, coming up next is the audio from my new video about Another Life that I posted on YouTube where I talked about the five reasons why I loved Another Life. If you would prefer to see me talk about this rather than hear me talk about this, you can find it at youtube.com slash Sci-Fi, and then come on right back to the podcast because we're going to talk about the comments on the video. Let's do it. What's up, space nerds? So I recently watched Another Life on Netflix. I originally didn't want to see it because the reviews are terrible. It's currently sitting around a 33% on Metacritic, but my friend Doug told me to watch it, and he's usually right about these things, and I watched it, and it was great. The general premise of the show is that an alien probe arrives on Earth of unknown origin. We think it comes from a planet that's across the galaxy, and we're sending a crew out to investigate. I know that not everything is for everybody. I'm actually someone who's really interested in how different people perceive different media in different ways. And of course, I don't think there's a right or a wrong as to whether or not a show is good or bad. It's just whether or not you enjoyed it, or whether or not it's worth watching. And to me, Another Life on Netflix is so worth watching and so enjoyable. So I'm going to give you a list of five things that I loved about Another Life. If you haven't seen the show, I'm hoping that these five reasons will encourage you to watch the show because I really want them to make a season two. Okay, first reason to watch this show, if you are someone who loves space travel, if you love any show that travels in outer space, Star Trek, Star Wars, even Stargate, stuff with Star in it, then watch Another Life because the space travel on this show is really interesting. It captures the sparseness and beauty of something like 2001 A Space Odyssey, but combines it with the fear and danger of something like Sunshine, which is a fantastic movie that you should absolutely watch. I love science fiction that explores space travel. That's something that I'm really interested in and I love seeing. I love thinking about what it would take to get from point A to point B in space, where you're just surrounded by death all the time. And I think that this show does a really good job of exploring that. It's done in a new and interesting way that I haven't really seen before, demonstrating the vastness of space, the distance of space, the magnitude of space. So if you're into that sort of thing, watch this show. The next reason that I'd recommend watching the show is the cast. The cast is fantastic. It's led by Katie Sackhoff, who I love and I've loved ever since I saw her in Battlestar Galactica. It's got Samuel Anderson, who plays William on this show. He played Danny Pink on Doctor Who. And William is a fantastic character. I love android characters. I love artificially intelligent characters. And William is one of the coolest examples of that that I've ever seen. And I've watched a lot of science fiction. I was a huge fan of J.R. Tanako as Zane, the doctor on the ship really great character, unlike anyone that I've seen before in any TV show. Selma Blair is fantastic as Harper Glass. I really enjoyed Elizabeth Ludlow's performance as Cass. I recognized her from The Walking Dead. This is the second thing I've seen her in, and she's just got such a unique presence on screen that I really enjoy. I felt like this show had a really distinct cast, a really interesting cast, a very diverse cast. There's some really fascinating facial expressions that go down on this show. If you like facial expressions, then watch Another Life. <laughs> 
The next thing I loved about this show was that it has some real great moments of beauty. There's beauty in space, there's beauty on planets that they visit, there's beautiful people, there's beautiful moments. There's one moment in particular that's really stuck out and really stayed with me where Cass and Nico are sitting on an alien planet having a heart-to-heart conversation in this beautiful alien field and there's this pollen in the air. It's just transportive, magical filmmaking in that moment. And there's stuff like that throughout the whole show. There's definitely some really gruesome moments and some things that were hauntingly gross, but uh, juxtaposed with these hauntingly beautiful moments. It was just a really interesting viewing experience. Very aesthetically interesting. The fourth thing I loved about this show is something that I've seen a lot of people complain about, which is that it's very reminiscent of a lot of classic science fiction. You'll see bones of 2001 A Space Odyssey, Firefly, Sunshine, Alien, definitely Contact, Arrival, although I still haven't seen that, which is weird, I know, I'll watch it eventually, I'm saving it. It's definitely built off of the DNA of the classics, in my opinion, that's cool. I love the classics. Those are some of my favorite movies. So make a new thing that is reminiscent of something that I love. I got no problem with that. This is a funny thing because Stranger Things is an obvious attempt to recreate the 80s era science fiction of Steven Spielberg. And they do a great job of it. And people seem to really love that and enjoy that. I felt like Another Life was was less a recreation and more of an exploration of and expansion upon things that had been done in the past. And it was done in its own unique way that I found super compelling and haven't really seen anything quite like before. So I have no problem with them building on the bones of some of my favorite stuff to make something new. The last point I want to share is that if you are someone who likes science fiction because it explores humanity, then watch this show. Because there's a fascinating exploration of several different facets of what it means to be human going on in this show. From what it means to be self-aware, what it means to have emotions, what it means to be non-binary in both sexual and gender orientation. What it would be like to have the literal weight of the entire survival of humanity on your shoulders. There's so much of that sort of exploration of humanity happening in this show. I think that this is a sticking point for some people because this show definitely has some characters making immature decisions. And it seems weird that super immature and young people would be given such a big responsibility as shepherding this mission across the galaxy that is of utmost importance. But we've all seen what the adults have done with our generation, so it's not that big of a leap to say that younger people will have a higher position of authority in the future. And I thought that there was sort of an interesting message in that. I loved this show, not really in spite of its flaws, but in some ways because of its flaws. It's a weird show. Some weird things happen. I like weird. I like to be surprised, I like to be challenged, I like to see someone else's sense of imagination and wonder in the galaxy and a sense of, you know, expanding your mind out from what it is into what it could be. And this show has that in spades. It has so much of it. Yes, there are immature characters making ridiculous decisions that no person who's ever been through proper space training should ever make. But for me, this show wasn't about that. This was about experiencing a story and experiencing the unfolding of tension and drama inside of that story and learning about humanity in the process. I found this show to be a unique, singular vision of the future, something unlike what I've seen before. I found it extremely worth watching. All that being said, I feel like, you know, if I had to grade it, it's like a really solid B. It's not, you know, in the upper echelon of TV that I've seen, but because I love science fiction so much, I want to make sure I'm watching everything that's solid B and beyond. Maybe even like a, a good, I'll watch a C. I'll watch a C. But I, I want I want people to watch Another Life because I really want to get a second season of this show. Netflix doesn't care about the reviews. They care about viewership. They care about people coming to their platform and plunking their eyes down on their screen and watching the whole entire season of a thing. So go binge it. Go love it. Let me know in the comments what you think of it. And if you disagree with me, that's great too. I'd love to hear why because I think... The way that different people perceive the same thing in different ways is really interesting. 
Well, this was super fun. If you guys enjoyed this as much as I did, hit that like button. If you want to hear me talk for hours and hours with my friends about science fiction, check out the Space Nerds podcast, available where podcasts are found, or at my website, jessemercury.com. Thank you guys for watching. Stay nerdy out there. Okay, so that's what I had to say about Another Life. Let's check out some of the comments on the YouTube video. So Adam G says, great review and analysis as always. I personally enjoy these sort of video reviews, mini podcasts. I watched this several weeks ago and really enjoyed it as well. I was surprised to see all the negative reviews because I thought it was a great show. I agree with all your points, especially in that it was beautiful visually and had great human moments that got me thinking. I think Katie Sackhoff's role really shone through, especially with the ongoing connection to William slash Samuel Anderson. Lots of twists and turns really kept me guessing in most places, and the ending really made me want another season. Maybe it's just because I'm a sucker for sci-fi and space shows especially, but this is pretty high on my list. Conversely, this is from Evan C., um, the Wasteland Man, Evan. I'm really glad you're digging this show. I watched the first couple of episodes and couldn't get into it. William is awesome, and I liked Katie's character, but it's almost as though the creators went way out of their way to make me hate other characters so much that I had to shut it off. I get it, people are different, but I got to deal with a lot of assholes in real life, and I can't just sit there and deal with them on the screen as well. In any case, I'm going to give it another go and see if I can get past all that. So, Evan, I actually totally know what you're talking about. I mean, as much as I love this show, in the first like four or five episodes, it was hard for me to get over how unlikable a couple of the characters were. And I, I really, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was that, that switched this for me, but as, as the story progresses, I started to kind of fall in love with everybody. And a couple of characters die and you know, the, the focus of what, of what the writers are focusing on as far as characters are concerned sort of shifts as you go through the season. And by the end of it, I was really into almost everybody. The one character that I still wasn't really into by the end was uh, Nico's husband. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> That's how not into him I was. Um, something about her husband, the scientist who is studying the probe back on Earth. I just never quite, I don't know. I never quite got into that character and I don't know why. He kind of bothered me and I can't really put my finger on it, but he kind of drove me a little crazy. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. There's a lot of really bratty behavior. And I feel like as the show progresses and these characters escape one death after another, they start to kind of get their heads on straight and, you know, act in a little bit more uh, appropriate ways, given what they're doing, trying to save the human race. Um, I hear you, but I do think if you stick with it, you might get a lot out of the latter half of the season. Or not. Who knows? Um, let's see. I got some really, really great feedback from uh, from Adam Letourneau, from Gamer Guy, from Andy, my lovely girlfriend, <laughs> from Mick. I, I really like what C. Mick said. He said, this is awesome. You are so articulate and fair. I love this show, so thank you for this positive review. You are welcome. I'm happy to do it. This is from The Blue Marble. I love the series and can't for the life of me understand all the hate. I get that it's not the best sci-fi series ever made, but it does not deserve all the hate it gets. I get the feeling a lot of sci-fi elitists hate on it because it's not what they expected to expected it to be. Yeah, I don't get it either. I'm trying to figure it out. I honestly am trying to figure out why so many sci-fi nerds hate this show. Okay, so that's the YouTube comments. And this is where things get a little more interesting because I actually posted this video on Reddit and I got some very different comments off of Reddit. So let's check this out. In our sci-fi, which is, you know, r slash sci-fi, the sci-fi subreddit. Uh, terrible show with a patently absurd premise. Edgy teenagers on a spaceship to save mankind. Uh, that's from Redheaded Popcorn. This is from 
D-D-D-K-K-K-K-K-L-L-L-L-O. Hated it so bad in so many ways. This is from Dever One. And this was my favorite comment. This is about the video that I posted. It says, decent parody, but didn't really go far enough. If I hadn't seen the show already, I might think you were sincerely praising it and get the wrong idea, which I think is hilarious. Because he's basically saying that the show is so shitty that me saying that I loved it in a video has to be parody, which I think is hilarious. But yeah, how fascinating is that? That the the sci-fi subreddit is is almost exclusively uh, vitriol towards another life. And I still don't get it. I still don't get it. I just, I don't understand. If you have insights into this, you know, leave a comment on my, on the YouTube video, or you can email me directly, sci-fi at jessemercury.com. I, I want to know more. I'm, I want to get to the bottom of this. It's very, very perplexing to me. Anyway, let's move on. So the next thing I've got for you is uh, the start of Doug Space Nine. So we've been live streaming these conversations on YouTube and having an absolute blast doing it. And just like the last segment, if you'd rather watch this than listen to this, you can find it on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash jessemercurysci-fi. And if you want to join us for a future live stream, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube page and turn on your notifications so you can see when we're going live. We try to do uh, Doug Space Nine at least once every other week. We, we're not really in a schedule right now because things have been in flux, but we're trying to get back to that at some point. This episode of Doug Space Nine was originally streamed on September 18th, 2018, so just about a year ago. I can't believe we've already been doing that for over a year. I'm stoked to be bringing this over to the podcast just because I, I've been having so much fun doing this and it's, it's been such an amazing thing. And I'd love to, to, you know, share this with everyone who, who could possibly listen to it. So I hope that providing this in audio format will bring new people to the show. And I hope you enjoy. Here it is. Doug Space Nine. Boom. Boom. Maybe not boom. Is there like a hit? There's boom. There's boom. There's boom. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for like a status. Do, 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 do. Yep. We're live. It's happening. We yeah, should yeah, sing. Yeah. The, we should sing the theme song. Are you ready? Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> I'm doing it. Are we ready for the face cam reveal? Look, it's making me watch an ad for your own stream. for my own stream. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's do it. Bum, 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 bum. Axon. Hey, Justin. That's uh. That's Justin. Oh yeah. Hey, Justin. What's I up, posted dude? a link about it on Facebook. So. Nice. I'm a draw. All right, here we go. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah. Boom. Boom. We're in space. <laughs> We're in space. No, What's happening? Hey, Super Hamster. What's up, John? What's up, Justin? Hello, everybody. You are right. Do not look at the screen. There's a time delay there. And... Yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As not a nonlinear <laughs> time <Yeah>. ghost. <laughs> But here's the thing, like we are we are traveling backwards through hyperspace. Right. Not in a spaceship. Not in a spaceship. <laughs> so I think that we are space ghosts. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's why everyone is frozen. Yeah. What's up, Amanda? Welcome. Hello everybody. Hi Amanda. Welcome to Doug Space Nine. Woo! Woo! The first episode of Doug Space Nine. Or Deep Space Doug. You can call it whatever you Deep want. Deep Space Doug. <laughs> yeah. There was some there was some debate. A lot a lot of tension in the first pitch meeting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, here we are. We're going. T Space Nine. Yeah. The I'm... second best Star Trek show. Yeah, totally. I think so. <laughs> Although I have to say, like, Next Generation's always been my favorite, but 
sometimes when I watch Deep Space Nine, I wonder to myself, like, this might be a better show. For me, Deep Space Nine ties for second with Enterprise and Voyager. Oh, cool. No, not Enterprise, with uh, with uh, TNG. So, first is Discovery. Second, what? Second, what? Second, what? Second, Wait, second, show's canceled. Second is Deep Space just, Nine. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> Bye. I knew I could get a controversial yeah. opinion out of the gate. You can just do this by yourself. <laughs> So, Deep Space Nine... You've upset Justin and me. <laughs> Deep Space Nine, TNG, and Voyager tie for second. Okay. Because they're all basically the same show. Deep Space Nine, TNG, and Voyager. Yeah, okay. they're all basically the same show. That's they're like all the that, same show. It's like the core 90s Star Trek. I'm thing. getting, yeah, more <laughs> ruffled by the second. Third place is Enterprise, and then fourth place is TOS. Okay. For me, uh, that was complete... Insanity, but I respect your opinion. <laughs> it's well thought out. You don't have to agree with it, but it is reasoned. That's true. And I, honestly, like if we agreed on everything, it'd be boring. It'd be boring um, for me, TNG is number one. Sure. DS9 is number two. Mm-hmm. Although nostalgia I picks, I get it. I think I think I think that TNG is more nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, because sometimes when I don't know, there's episodes of TNG that are just like absolutely brilliant. But you know, I don't know. Anyway, it's still my favorite. I like how we said, "Look at the camera," and then I just said something shocking, and you were like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Then DS Nine, and then I put Enterprise next because mm-hmm. I love Enterprise. I, I think it's fantastic. Late season Enterprise is fantastic. Absolutely. Late, late series, yeah. Yeah, totally. And then I would do. Uh, original series, <laughs> and then Voyager, <laughs> and then Discovery at the bottom. <laughs> Animated series, then Discovery. And, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I would put Discovery above the animated series. All right, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. So that's on my I rewatch do. list that I haven't hit since I was a kid. I, you just made me realize that Discovery is not the worst Star Trek <laughs> show. Which mission accomplished. There we go. But we're not here to talk about that. Deep Space Nine. <laughs> What's up, Glitchy Brothers? Welcome, everybody. So we're going to talk about Deep Space Nine. We watched the first episode, Emissary, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about it. I hadn't watched this in, like, close to a decade. I, I did a full watch of Deep Space Nine when I moved to Seattle about eight years ago. Yeah. And I had seen almost the entire show in college, and then I'd seen a little bit of it when it first aired. But when it first aired, I was too dumb. Like, I didn't understand right. it. And I was too young, and it just didn't quite work for me. Yep. But then I watched it in college, and I was like, what was I thinking? This is incredible. I got all the way through the whole show except for the last, like, six episodes. Yep. <laughs> and I just, like, couldn't finish. I'm like, I want this to last forever, so I'm not watching this. I just got nervous and, like, yeah, didn't yeah, watch yeah. it. Like, it's like what the wire. You don't want it to stop. Yeah, like, what if it's a disappointing ending, too? Because, like, in a... In a, in a, in a <laughs> <laughs> in a serialized show like Deep Space Nine, the ending is so important. Right. What if they just do like a weird montage of flashbacks to... Yeah, what if? <laughs> so I so I, I didn't watch it, but then I came back and watched the whole show again, and then I just adored it start yeah. to finish. It was all a dream. I, I read, Justin, I read this article about how Ron Moore originally wanted to end it being all a dream, <laughs> but we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, basically the idea is that Doug and I want to start doing this show one episode at a time. Maybe two, if we Maybe feel two, like two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're not going to really talk about spoilers. We're going to talk about just the episode we just watched, even though we both watched the right, show. Right, right. But um, I mean, we will talk about the future potentially. Yeah, it's yeah. non-linear, so expect yeah. spoilers. Basically, the whole show has already happened. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. live here. Yeah. <laughs> um. And if yeah, if people show up and have fun, we're going to keep doing it. I would love for us to do the whole show, but if if it's just the two of us talking to each other, we can do that anytime. Yeah. 
But definitely keep it going long enough so we can talk about Discovery. Yeah, and I mean, if you guys are here and having fun, we're going to keep Super going. Super Hamster thinks that Discovery is worse than fan-made productions. On the bottom below all the fan... See, that's a man with some taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, we're just going to do this as long as it's fun and, and mm-hmm. hopefully for a long time. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but maybe not. So thank you for being here. Hit that like button if you like what you see, and, and then maybe we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump into Emissary. Yep. The first, the first look at Deep Space Nine, the first episode in what will be seven seasons of amazing TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Second what is, Star Trek show. What, what did you think of it? I liked it. I mean, it's a good. It starts off well. It's, it's. I think it really sets up a good Star Trek uh, series. I mean, it's, it's the end of it. You're just like, oh, there we go. There's the the plot is all laid out for the next season. And the characters walking around. You know. Um, I have nitpicks, you know, as always with Star Trek, but as as a Star Trek episode, it's solid. Yeah. Uh, 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 I will say that the Time Ghost wormhole aliens are no more weird than Mushroom Space. So if you <laughs> hate Discovery, then... Wait, tickle, Mushroom Space, tickle, I oh. think, is weirder than wormhole aliens, sure, but you, that's you, fair. You can that's think fair. that. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the thing about the mycelial network is if they, did, <laughs> if they had done a show post... Deep Space Nine in the timeline, right. I would have been able to accept it right. more. But, but to like, say that this thing existed... That ten years sure. before Captain's Kirk time, we discovered this mycelial right. network and just stopped using it. Right. It's it, almost like there being a stable wormhole for at least 10,000 years that no one on either side of its endpoints ever ran into. But, yeah, that, know, that's... I know. ran across that this time. Yeah. A little... <laughs> that stuck a little bit. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, right. but that's it would okay. be It should be like the Bermuda Triangle of Bajoran space, or whatever's yeah. on the other side of it, too. Yeah, although it kind of is because it's like the celestial temple it's something right. that they talked about they talk seen. about in their religious right. history they're like yeah this is a real thing but no one knows exactly where it is right. and it's not like any of them have ships they could just go there as yeah it's not like they're a space faring people at all <laughs> right. you know um, we've but yeah, assholes I, digging up the deserts for thousands of years <laughs> i i love the premiere of mm-hmm. deep space nine i i really really love it i was shocked to watch it again how much i loved it yeah it sets up all these themes that really make this show special to mm-hmm. me i mean this this is more of a of a spiritual Star Trek. Yes, and, and that's then, an evident right out of the right right out of the way. Absolutely, and it's spiritual in a way that I can really get behind as a not religious person who like it, I I consider myself a spiritual person and that I feel like there is like energy and spirit and all that beyond ourselves that we don't necessarily understand. But I don't believe in any religions. Right, right, and right. I, I love the idea of. Of like looking at a culture's religion through the lens of like science fiction, where I, you, I got distracted. Justin was like, "Well, they were dealing with an occupation." That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard to look Not for the for years. temple. What the occupation was? What fifty years? Yeah, fifty years tops. I think. Yeah, it was written about in ancient texts and Ondo filed in his way. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the the orbs of the prophets are like falling through the celestial temple mm-hmm. and to Bajor. But okay, let's let's read the uh, synopsis of. Emissary of the first episode. Not to be cu- confused with The Emissary, <laughs> an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. You're right. All right, so this is from Memory Alpha. Great website. Awesome website, for sure. If you ever get into an argument with people about Star Trek, <laughs> this is your This friend. is the arbiter of all Star Trek discussions. <laughs> uh, three years after his wife died at the hands of the Borg and following their Cardassian withdrawal from the planet Bajor, Commander Benjamin Sisko and a new crew of Starfleet and Bajoran officers take command of an abandoned Cardassian space station and make an incredible discovery that will change the galaxy and Cisco's future. <laughs> hey, Keaton, what's up? Mr. Leon, what's happening? Welcome, guys. And Cisco gets emotional closure right out of the gate. 
Yeah, you know, I, lo- I love that too. I mean, the, the I think that the emotional arc of the first episode is Cisco learning to deal with the loss of his wife. Yeah. Basically at the hands of Jean-Luc Picard. Right, right. Because when Picard was Lacutus of Borg against his own will, at that the Battle of Wolf 359, he like massacred, you know, the entire Starfleet fleet the right. starfleet fleet <laughs> and I, I i love how this episode starts yeah. i love that it starts with uh seeing the battle of wolf 359 for the first time ever right i actually just watched the best of both worlds with andy a couple days ago because she and i've been watching some star trek and she watched this with me and i if she might stop in and give her opinions on this episode in there. <laughs> um so just just watching the ep- the first episode of, of DS9 and seeing a battle from TNG that was skipped over because they didn't right. have the budget right. to show the Battle of Wolf 359 so the Enterprise just swoops in after the battle's over in the Best of Both Worlds Part 2 the this, this season premiere of Season 4 of Star Trek The Next Generation you see the aftermath of this battle where Picard has just destroyed everybody as Lacutus of Borg uh, but then to get to see that from the actual perspective of a bridge crew that is being killed, basically. Right, right, like, right, right. I mean, Cisco's old ship. I mean, this would be such a traumatic experience. Like, you're on this ship with all of your, your friends and your comrades, and they're all being destroyed by someone that was mm-hmm. a Starfleet officer that you should know and trust, but is all of a sudden killing you. Right. And then your wife dies in the middle of that as you escape and your ship is blown up. Like, it's very intense. Right. And just to see that, I thought was so cool. Yeah. Um, it also shows why it's ridiculous to put families on starships, but that's a separate discussion. Yeah, I mean, At that's, least not when you're going to fight a board cube. Yeah, that's that's something that I have been thinking about also because of this episode. Right. And I still kind of fall on the side of, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And these are ships of discovery and exploration. They're not right. trying to get into fights. Sure. They will fight if they have to. But no one is safe from the Borg. I mean, if you're not in a ship out in space battling the Borg, they're going to come to Earth and destroy all of humanity. So I feel like taking the chance... I I feel like I would want to be a Starfleet officer, and I would want my family on board. Right. And I I think even knowing the risk, I'd still want that. Well, they do a good aside in this one, which I don't think they were explicit about in TNG, where... uh What's her name? Jennifer? Yeah. Says that, well, it's not often that, or no, or yeah, when Jennifer and Ben are talking and the discussion is around how, well, not, there aren't a lot of families that want to serve on a starship with captains. Right. Like they're kind of going back and forth about, should we have kids? Right. And then it, she's basically saying, yeah, I'm okay, you know, risking my life and our future child's life to be with you on a spaceship. Yeah, and I, I respect that and appreciate that, and I think I would make the same choice. And I love that Cisco is a family man because we've never had a, a lead on a Star Trek show yeah. who is a family person. Right. You know, Captain Kirk was a Lothario, <laughs> and uh, Captain Picard was married to his work. Right. And then Cisco is like really into his family and like a great dad, like really great dad. And right. I love how they set that up with just good acting. I mean, you can just tell that you know. Uh, that Jake and Ben are close yes. and have that relationship, and it feels like it's been going for. And I like that Avery Brooks Ben's is so life. touchy or with Jake's like, whole life. You know, I know. He's, he's like, mm, my yeah. boy. I know. His like his acting is so good. it's so physical. Oh, I love it though. Since I, you're reaching up here, you just oh. reminded me. I have a present for you. Oh, we're gonna go back in time and view the past. This is <laughs> this is an orb of the prophets. <laughs> Which orb? Uh, that is up to you to decide. I, bef- I think it's the Orb of Time, because okay. that's the only one I can remember right. off well, the top of my head. If we make it to the season finale, I'll open that. <laughs> Doug is brooksing the camera. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome to leave it here, but it is it is now yours. It is a good luck charm for our new endeavor. <laughs> yeah. My, my parents found a giant box of action figures when they were cleaning out my grandpa's house where I used to live in San Diego, 
and they sent it up here, and that was in the box. Oh, I was like, nice. this is perfect. Yeah, that's great. There was also a Ben Cisco in there that is now sitting upstairs. I saw that up there, and for a second I was like, is that one of the orb boxes? That's pretty cool. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't notice it, yeah. <laughs> and, and you did, but I didn't did. mention it, so I got everything I wanted. Nice. It worked out fine. Uh, Keaton says, well, the Galaxy class Enterprise D has a separation which could protect the families, but yeah, it's stupid that families on the ships. The ships are for exploration, not battle. Yeah, you're like arguing yourself as you're saying it. <laughs> you start to say it out loud. Yeah. You're like, wait, no, that is silly, isn't it? What's up, gamer guy? What's happening? See, these are our uh, sponsor emotes, Doug. Oh, nice. So we got Zoidberg, me, Andy, Miles, uh, Fry. This is uh, a Lacroix can, but the flavor <laughs> the flavor is Jeff Goldblum's chest. <laughs> Mercury thirsty. <laughs> yeah, and then this is uh, Power Crystals. It's our in chat currency. Oh, nice. So you can actually here. I'll just start a space flight because Doug's new to all this you guys power crystals should be space flight so you can risk power crystals uh, to go on a space flight we're going to say it should be dilithium crystals no it should be a gold pressed aladinum oh, it should be aladinum I mean, that's most a good idea currency. fuck that's a good idea uh, somebody back there earlier said that if this was a show done today they would definitely have oh, dragged yeah, out saw uh, that. Cisco's pain. I wanted to that's say all, something about that. I think that. that's correct. I think this is 100% yep. correct. Yep. It was good to have the emotional closure in a show that traditionally has been so uh, episodic. But yeah, if you were going to do that today, I think you would play that out more. Also, I think you would do something different with the whole wormhole time ghost anyways. this mm. As they're presented now, it's just they kind of just make it up as they go, it feels like, where by you... By the time you get to the end of the series, you're like, wait a minute, you assholes said that you didn't understand linear time, but you clearly already know and remember, Cisco. if linear time uh, for you doesn't work that way. You know, it creates this whole strange scenario. Yeah. They never talk about, like, they never make any hints at all that there's a f connection between Cisco and the wormhole aliens that does come out later on. They don't seed that early. But if you were doing this now, right. you would plan that out. You would know that. You would start to put in weird future glimpses with this stuff. I agree with you. That's actually my one of my two least favorite moments of Deep Space Nine. And we won't go into the specifics now in case people are watching this for the first time, but but yeah, that's that happens in season seven, and I think that that's a huge misstep. Right. Um, they could have planted seeds. They could have yeah. done some hints. I think, that, I think that the planning for the show... As far as where it goes and where it starts, for me, I'm totally satisfied, yeah. besides that one thing. Right. Uh, I think that the issues with the linear time stuff... I mean, when you go into the wormhole, you meet the wormhole aliens. The quote-unquote wor wormhole aliens. Sometimes, yeah. Or Cisco does, anyway. Right. That's There's, like, these creatures that live in the wormhole that may or may not be the prophets right. of Bajor. They may or they may, may not have the a prophets planet. Of <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they may or may not have a solid ground you can land on. It's all, it's all very nebulous and doesn't quite make sense. Right. Uh, hey, Pat Rick, what's up, man? Welcome. Wait, I missed Keaton's comment here. Uh, yeah, they are for exploration. Somebody they get probably it. didn't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like they... It's like they know that ships might go into battle, but it's not the priority, and they don't... They don't assume that it's going to happen. I like right. the idea of not... They, they just don't live in fear. You know, they don't let fear dictate their their family choices. Like, if I want right, to be with I my see. family yeah. versus being, you know, a career military person... That could be a really hard decision to make, but I like the idea that in the future, maybe you don't have to make that decision. You can bring your family with you. Yeah. And I think that if you looked at the statistics of it, probably most of the time it's safe. <laughs> I'm I just think thinking, that, there's people who are going, you know, statistically more people die in car accidents than on spaceships. <laughs> that's yeah, true. Fair. That's definitely still, true. Still, right road now, travel that is true. Is the most <laughs> dangerous thing in the 24th century. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I always like that about. Uh, next generation, and I love that that's like a core concept of Deep Space Nine. What's right. up, Almighty Hawk? Welcome. Um, 
Yeah, we were talking about... Oh, yeah, the wormhole aliens. Yeah, so for me, for me, what's set up in the first episode pays off in the final episode and, sure. it, and is really well um, developed over seven years and in a really satisfying way. And I will tell you, dude, when, when I rewatched this episode a couple nights ago, the first moment that DS9 showed up on screen, I got, like, teary-eyed. Mm. I, like, almost cried. Just so happy to see Deep Space Nine. It's just like, wow, this is... And then the Enterprise shows up. You must have I know the Enterprise wreck. is, like, there with Deep Space Nine. Voyager cruises by. Fuck Voyager. I don't... Yeah, Voyager can do whatever it wants. Swirls like, in. Swirls out. Discovery, like, pops in out Whoops. of the mycelial <laughs> network. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so... So I and going back to the idea of like wrapping up that emotional closure yeah, of yeah. of Ben dealing with his wife's trauma. I mean, the, his relationship with Picard is kind of the the representation of him being able to let go of those right. feelings of anger. Yeah, because it's not Picard's fault, you know. Right. And over the course of the of the pilot, Cisco is able to internalize that fact and let it go. Yeah, he can't. I mean, I can get. I get it. Like he can't help but be mad at Picard, even yeah. though. Picard did not have a choice and was, I mean, like, there's a lot of, of you know, rape analogies to be made with what happened to Picard. Right. With becoming Lacutus of Borg and having his free will taken from him in a very violent way. Uh, it's it's really upsetting and disturbing, and I feel like most people would be empathetic to that and not blame him for anything that he did in that state, unless he killed your wife, in right. which case I could imagine, like, shit, I would hold a grudge, you yeah, know? yeah. That's I think I would definitely, if that were me, I would hold a grudge for sure. Um, yeah, so... Oh, Patrick's going to outer space. <laughs> All right! He had a hyperdrive malfunction and needs to return to the mothership. That's okay. a bummer. Didn't go well. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the space flight's just like an in-chat game where it's like uh, a text game. Okay. Where you like win or lose. and it's, You can gamble with your power crystals. You can have lightsaber battles. Gambling, eh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all sorts of fun stuff. Um... And I, I remember being a kid and watching this for the first time and being so disturbed that uh, that Picard is kind of the bad guy in this right, episode. Right, right, right. It's something Andy mentioned when we, when we watched it, is that he's kind of like the the uh, the antagonist of the episode. Because he's so cold and distant about the fact that it happens. Like, right. oh, look, here, I'm this evil, red-eyed monster robot, and I killed your family, and then, boom, three years later, yeah, I'm back to being the captain, it's all cool. Yeah. And, oh, I knew you from Wolf 359. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. The acting on nice. both sides is good. so good, because you can, just, like, the anger in Cisco, and also the, the, like, when he mentions, when Cisco mentions that I was at the Battle of Wolf 359, Picard just shuts off. Like, he yeah. just turns off, and, and does not address it. it. Yeah, Justin's probably exasperated about it coming up again and again. I mean, he probably deals with this all the time of, like, angry Starfleet officers being like, well, you his, killed my family and my crew, you asshole. His and, inbox must be a nightmare. <laughs> totally. R.E. Wolf 359. <laughs> Investigate the truth of 359. Holy shit. Yeah. Wolf 359 was an inside job. Yeah, Menace says he shouldn't be apologizing. It It is almost akin to rape. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, I, I feel like... It's a really bold decision to put your your captain and then the new commander at odds in yeah. the first episode. I remember being a kid and being like, I don't know about this new guy because he can't forgive. Right. Uh, he can't forgive uh, Picard, and I feel like he should be able to. Yeah. And it's kind of sad and frustrating that he isn't. But as watching it as an adult, I'm like, I totally get it. I totally see why he couldn't yeah. forgive Picard. Well, I think Avery Brooks does. It's one of the best things in this. Perhaps the best thing in the pilot here is when the moment when he realizes that he needs to let go of Jennifer 
it's it's like a wordless thing. It's like two sort of almost gasps that that every book Brooks makes, and it's perfect. It's it, he does a, such a great job uh. of conveying so much emotion without speaking and just his head and eye movements. His um, eye acting, yeah, it's is it's nuts. It's perfect. It's it sounds weird to say it, but it is so well done. It's so. I'm it's, glad it's you him, think so. It's him simultaneously expressing the emotion of. I don't want to let this go, but I know that I have to let it go, but I know that I don't want to let it go. He's, like, going through this, like, false start loop before he's, like, I'm letting it go. Yeah, It's totally. really impressive. Avery Brooks is, is a really, I think, an interesting actor overall. He makes yeah. he makes a lot of Bizarre interesting choices. choices. Yeah, he's like, but he's... When he goes back in time, he's like, I just... Ow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. I love yeah, it. yeah. Uh, Almighty Hawk, if you're looking for, uh, you said you wanted a recap, I just posted a link to the episode we're talking about of Deep Space Nine. You can read the entire synopsis of the episode there if you want to know what we're talking Here's about. Here's the recap. They find a hole in space, and then they move the space mall next to the hole. End of episode. That's, that's it. That's, that's basically it. it. Agent IC, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Thanks for joining us. The rest us. of it all gets sorted out as you go. Yeah. But that's the, that's the main <laughs> essence, is that they have to put the Deep Space Nine in front of the wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. Avery Brooks is an interesting dude in real life, says Super Hamster. Yeah, there's some, if you look at some of the, like, the convention footage of his oh, yeah. speaking and stuff, I he, think it's great. He, he just, like, exudes jazz. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. He's such, he's a very cool dude. I, I talked to someone, I don't remember who it was, someone told me they met him at a convention, he was just, like, the nicest person I'd no, ever met. I'd like to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so his, I, his eye acting, though, you can, he just, like, makes these, like, he's just, like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like these little things that just like convey so much emotion. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but it's really fantastic. And, and he's like a he's like a, a, a acting teacher, right? Or like oh, a, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Oh boy, it's embarrassing. I should have looked this up. I thought that that was something in his background. It's that like a, sounds right. Oh, it was you. It was John. You met him. At, he's always wearing sunglasses. You met him at a convention. Mm. I've met several Star Trek actors at a convention. I met um, Aaron Eisenberg, who plays Nog, who is one of my favorite characters, by the way. Yeah, like because like, he's like ageless. He's yeah. <laughs> Jake uh, becomes like a, a beanstalk a giant by the end. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Iceberg does not. Uh, one of my, one of if not my favorite episode is only a paper moon, which is Adam Laterno. What's up, man? Welcome. Which is all about Nog. I I love that episode. The one where he goes into the holodeck. Oh with yeah, Vic. Yeah, yeah, Vic yeah. Fontaine. Can't wait till we get yeah. to Vic Fontaine. <laughs> um, Still worse than my seal network. <laughs> so am I, uh, Super Hamster. I actually I invited Aaron Eisenberg to come on my podcast, and he agreed to do it, and then I never heard from him again. Yeah. <laughs> but That's there was nice. a moment. Yeah, it was still nice. It's very <laughs> exciting. There was a moment. Very exciting. Um, oh, the yeah. guy that plays, um, who's the Klingon? The uh, Bartok? Oh, Martok. Martok. J.G. Hertzler. He's, yeah. he's the captain of Cisco's ship. I yeah, noticed yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, he's like a Romulan or something? Or, uh, or a Vulcan, or maybe? A Vulcan. Yeah. Must be a Vulcan. Yeah, must yeah. be a Vulcan. J.G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hertzler is amazing he uh, with Jeffrey Combs plays like all of the background characters yeah. on this show but with him his voice is like you can't you hide can't that voice under voice. any yeah. <laughs> yeah Martok is my number one favorite Klingon yeah, that's fair my absolute <laughs> favorite Klingon he is an incredible character that I fucking love mine right? is Alexander Oh, that's a good choice. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Everyone hates Alexander. He's the worst. <laughs> well, Worf being a bad dad is interesting. No, well, Worf you is know? a terrible father. 
terrible, terrible. Oh, you met Martok too. That is awesome. We're getting into the future here. Yeah, just, I'll do my best not to do spoilers. Yeah, no promises. Yeah, well, maybe some light spoilers, but we'll, it's been we'll, twenty years, thirty years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Alexander is emo. He is the he is so emo. He's the essence of emo. Uh, okay, so then we jump forward three years, and yep. uh, and Jake and his dad are on the holodeck, and he's like, "We're going to Deep Space Nine. Let's or, take the fishing hole with us. Yeah, let's take let's take the let's take the fishing with us." Uh, which I don't know why, but that scene just seems so iconic to me. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it's a dad with his son out fishing in the country, you know. Yeah, and then it, it's. I think it is a nice twist when it's the holodeck, even though it's kind of an easy reveal for Star Trek. But it honestly tricked me the first time I saw it. Yeah, me you know, too. Even this time, it didn't necessarily trick me, but I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. It's on a. It's on a holodeck. Yeah, and they've been living at the Utopia Planitia shipyards for three years. Right. Just uh, probably Cisco's just doing like desk work or something like that. <laughs> he does love his pads. <laughs> yeah. The, this this show finally answers the question: How do pads work? <laughs> you remember when Jake is like writing yeah, yeah, with a yeah. stylus? Yeah. And you have stacks of them because apparently they can hold one email. It d- makes no sense. It it's makes terrible. no sense. Uh, oh, Adam says uh, I had a very similar moment with my father at a fishing hole before he passed. Uh, different meaning for you. Wow, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. See, I mean, I that's not cool. Your father passed away. I'm very sorry to hear right, that. But, but that it's, it's a, that I think it's an evocative type of scene. You know. Yeah, but it's so it's so cool to I think for anyone who's ever gone fishing with their dad, which I've never done because I've never gone fishing, uh, it just never came up. Yeah. <laughs> but but for anyone who's gone fishing with their dad or their mom or whatever, I think that that might have like some extra meaning that could be really cool. And you know. Also, anyone who likes baseball, which I don't. So. <laughs> there's a lot of baseball. Oh, there's so much baseball. Ben loves baseball. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Look who's here. Come on Hello. in. You wanna, Hello. Welcome to space. You want to sit? Here, you want to sit in my lap? Uh, I'm like, am I on the screen? Um, I, sure. I'm about to go Get for a bike here. ride. But oh, cool. I'll sit here for a second. And he's here. By the way, I was overhearing the conversation. I have gone fishing with my dad. Oh, yeah. nice. And I felt that scene was very accurate. Ooh, look at this look, arm. We got, we got some shoulder <laughs> and some some lower face. Andy shoulder <laughs> in space. Andy's been watching ASMR videos, so oh, yeah. she's getting into the lower it's face. It's research. It's research. Okay. And I'm just learning what it is all about. Because <laughs> there is a whole phenomenon happening, people. Yeah. Yeah. Here, why don't you go on this side of me so you can see okay. your face. Well, then I'm blocking you. Well, I can yeah, be over here. Can we see Andy? Wow, this is really working. There we go. <laughs> so, Andy, how does it feel to be in the vacuum of space traveling backwards through warp speed? It feels a lot like being in our basement. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good feeling. Yeah. Andy, what did you think of the first episode Hi, of Deep Space Amanda. Nine? Hello, hello. Adam. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, I have to give a caveat, which is that while we were watching... I was extremely tired. Yeah. It was the end of a long day, and Jesse kept... I kept doing that thing. I don't know if this happens to any of you, but, like, you're awake just enough to, like, continue to watch, but every once in a while, you'll notice your eyes are closed. <laughs> <laughs> I can sleep through this scene. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I did. her and be like, do you want to stop? And <laughs> like, like, no. no, no, that's how good it was, though. I was like, we have to keep watching. <laughs> and I... Jesse made me watch the last episode of... A TNG, which I mean, we watched three? Best of Both Worlds parts one and two, yeah, before so that she'd have some frame of reference for Wolf 359, Context, yes, and everything was happening with Picard and the pilot. <sighs> Just it was a lot of information at once, let me tell you. <laughs> but I don't know, are you going chronologically through the episode? We're kind of jumping around, you can go anywhere you're talking going. about Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Well, Jesse says no spoilers, but he's wrong. Oh, well, Andy, Andy has no spoilers to give. Yeah. Well, she, I do. She hasn't seen. 
Well, I for mean, the we're first s- episode. Yeah, you can spoil the first episode. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm spoiling left and right. <laughs> yeah. I'm spoiling series we're well, talking about. Good thing I'm not <laughs> listening then. Well, I am sort of, but um, okay. What do I want to say about it? Well, I feel like oh gosh, there's so much. I really, I think my favorite thing was this idea of these beings that have no concept of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that exploration of that, because that's a really hard thing to address in a TV show. I yeah. think it's such a massive subject matter. And I feel like uh, they were really simple in their way that they kind of used that idea. And just just dipping in and out of that like white background with the face and like having their voice be through the people that he knows. I did like the technique that they use for that. Of very simple and very yes. effective. I thought that it was really clear. I think you could have gotten really convoluted with that sort of concept and I just I also because our the way our brains work is that we like we use references of things we already know to categorize other things. Like there's a mechanism in your brain that if I look at that stool and then I look at that chair I know that that's a chair and that's a stool even though they have really similar things or I know this is a chair and that's a chair even though they don't look the same so like you use categories in your brain and I think to to like label things and understand things so the idea that like you would encounter a being without a form and you would just instantly replace that with something you already know makes oh, a lot of sense that's right, interesting you're, you're I always it as assumed, their brain making it yeah that's I always what I assumed, assumed that it was the the wormhole aliens oh, going into his mind and to. choosing who to appear as oh, based off of how it would how, how he would interpret what they're saying needing oh, to come from different figures in his that's life. That's kind of brilliant. But I, I actually really like your idea that maybe it's just Cisco's mind interpreting their presence in a way that makes sense to him. Which actually reminds me of Babylon 5 with the Vorlons <laughs> and yeah, yeah. angels and all that stuff. So I have a thing that I'm doing this time while I watch East Space Nine, which Where is to you? imagine that uh, the most of the visions that people have are not conscious directed things from the aliens that it's basically just a, a human mind coming into contact with some weird out of mm. phase out of time unknowable thing and then it's their own brains basically creating all of this like mm. even Cisco's um, closure about the death of his wife yeah in my mind one take on this is that oh no it's just his own brain doing this to him huh. you know maybe he's getting influenced a little bit like he touched this thing that let him go back into the past that gets him dwelling about his wife he's just seen Picard he's got all this shit swirling around in the old noodle yeah. and then he's in this wormhole and it but it's not like they're these wormhole aliens are like oh we want to talk to you we want to get some mm. stuff done you know mm. yeah. that it's just a thing that sort of occurred to him and the reason I think yeah. that is, well, it's, I don't know if I believe it, but it's a way that I want to try to watch the series, mm. imagining, because the when I did rewatch it recently, towards the end, I was like, you know what, if you weren't seeing all of the scenes of the wormhole aliens, Cisco would look like a lunatic. Because he makes certain choices based on the things that they tell him to do. Totally. Yeah, you know? I think there are points, alert. I think there are points throughout the series where he does seem like a lunatic. Yeah. Like a religious mm. fanatic. But almost. us as the viewers, mm. we get to see this, like, well, he did have this secret communication from these alien ghost right. things. So. Right. I, I just remembered something I was going to say earlier. We were talking about uh, the wormhole aliens having a concept of Cisco's past and right. not telling him that. Right. Because they don't. I mean, because they are non-linear, and that doesn't seem to make sense. Right. But I actually... It's not I, his past to them. I think, yeah, that's... 
I think that it is not his past to them. Like they don't, right. they literally don't understand that he has a past. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that the show does a ninety percent good job of trying to tell a story in which some of the main characters have no sense of time. Right. Because we can't really understand that because we cannot take our brains out of our linear existence. Right. So yeah. to even write something where that's not the way that yeah. people perceive is really hard. Yes, yeah, I, I think, think they do a really good job. I, there's a couple times where it doesn't make sense. It's like sure. what they know and what they don't know doesn't seem to quite add up sometimes. Right. Mm. But yeah. I think I think overall they do the writers do a really good job of of at least like presenting something that's so fantastically out there yeah. that makes almost sense enough sense for me mm. to follow along with the story I think that's actually a trend in Deep Space Nine is that it all makes like just enough sense just enough sense mm. yeah where it's it's less yeah. it's it's much less of a scientific sci-fi show than yeah. uh, than Star Trek usually is right. it's a little more like take this thing on faith and you know it's a little more of a space magic what's, what's the word mm. uh, um, intuitive storytelling I think yeah where like Intuitively, it makes sense, yeah. but factually, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, once yeah. you scratch at it, I yeah. I like the idea of the uh, beings that have nonlinear time. I think from the lo- writers, their job though here was a swing and a miss. I think mm. th- I think that they didn't do an adequate job. They, as you watch it, it basically except for when they're talking to somebody and they're like, "Well, I don't understand what time is." They're presented as very linear, like they are. Mm. They have knowledge that accumulates over time as they meet these people. Right. They don't. Uh, it doesn't ever come across to us. Huh. In the instance when they show them communicating with people, they make this like disjointed time jumble thing. But I think on a broader level, they just kind of uh, just wave their hands at it, like, eh, it's not right. linear. Just I think that's it. true because yeah. if that's if they were to meet point. Cisco and not understand linear time, and he explains it to them, that happens in linear time. Right. <laughs> so by the end of the first episode, when the when he's kind of explaining to them how time works which is so cool by the way like so so cool to see uh it doesn't make sense that they could gain knowledge they should have all knowledge that they're ever going to have and i i I agree with andy where it's like it is this big concept Mm -hmm. and it is presented in a very simple way they don't make it overly complex but i think at its essence it would have to be nothing but complex right Right. that's so so true so but i do like it because i do think for me this is like I will nitpick I love nitpicking yeah. but I 100% look, just go yep this is like space time magic These sure. you just accept that these are non-linear beings and you don't really get it in the detail of the show but mm. that's just the way that it works just I like agree. you accept yeah. that right. halfway through the episode they're like please don't come through the wormhole it really fucks us up and then at the end of this episode they're like nah it's cool bro you guys can come through whenever you want like what yeah. is it then yeah totally, totally. Yeah. yeah for me the, the story that they're telling is worth telling to the point where I kind of start to forgive these things that don't sure. make sense because yeah. they're dealing like with, with ideas that are like it. so big. It's like a what? It's like a mushroom network. It's just you accept it. It's yeah, like, that's You need what it, it for the story. You don't really get <laughs> yeah. into the details of it. See, and for me, the, the mycelial network actually crossed the line where I couldn't <laughs> accept it because yeah, it made so rough. little sense. My like, goal is to keep each episode nudging you closer and closer to going, you know what? You're right. Fuck it. The mycelial network is fine. <laughs> it fits squarely within Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said before, if they put it post-Dominion War, it would have made sense to me. It's it's just like... See, you're so close. You're so yeah, close. It's I, like I'm not, small it's adjustments. Not, it's not the mycelial network I have an issue with. It's the fact that we've never heard about it in right. like decades of Star Trek history right. after mm-hmm. this that That's, makes no sense. Yeah, that, Section 31. Mm-hmm, the technology. Keeping it all under wraps. 
Maybe. There you go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> see, if they if they said in the season finale, like, right. we're we not going to use this mycelial yeah. network anymore, and, like, we can't talk about it, I don't know. If they just said something like that, it would have made sense and been fine. I'm God, curious they're to gonna see 100% bury that up. where it goes. I with hope the so. New show, because it has new showrunners, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the so. showrunners were fired for abusing the staff. Ooh. And my sensibilities as a Star Trek viewer. <laughs> that was factored <laughs> that in. That was part of the... Yeah, I wrote a letter to CBS. Um, what was interesting to me, too, though, about that like whole scene and that sequence is that in some ways, if you really strip away all of the context, it's essentially mm -hmm. a man who has dealt with loss and trauma mm -hmm. and essentially kind of like the voice of a therapist, like yes. guiding him through right. how to move on you from that. live here. Right. right. I don't yeah. want to be here. Well, then just don't be here. <laughs> right. Like you have to face and relive the thing you went through, yeah. which is like a ton of therapeutic method mm -hmm. is about that and face and like really actually this wall you build that prevents you from reliving it that you think is keeping you safe is actually what's stopping you from moving on. It's very beautiful. And just yeah. even Which the fact that so he's looking at them as though they're doing this to him yeah. is also an example of kind of denying you, that you yourself are creating this thing that you're stuck in. Yes, you know? totally. Absolutely. Which I also wonder, like, I, now I'm so curious based on your critique, which I think is actually really legit and not something I thought about, is like, what if the way that they're relaying information in terms of them learning about time and the linear way of their communication, maybe that's his brain interpreting their interaction. Like, right, maybe right. we're seeing it from his understanding of the interaction. It'd be mm -hmm. so, I know the show doesn't do this, it'd be so cool to see it from their right, right. point of view of <laughs> yeah. what happened. Like, right. I would be so curious to see what their perspective on that event was. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Amanda says, the question being, is it them guiding him through it or him utilizing them to find his own way? Totally. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know... I, I always thought it, has, it was the former. I want to mm. think it this time watching it, it that it's the latter. Mm. I thought it was the latter this time also. I, th I felt like they just keep saying, like, why do you live here? Because they don't get it. Right. They literally don't understand why he lives in that moment in his mind. Because sure. they can... I think it's very clear that they can see into his mind. Yeah. And yeah. they can see everything that he is as a person. Mm. Uh, everything that he has been up to this point. Mm. Um, and... Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe that explains the linear progression of their knowledge of him is that until he gets there, they don't have it because he hasn't experienced it yet, right. and they're seeing him hmm. through his own mind. Hmm. He makes maybe. them linear, <laughs> right? Maybe right. yeah. Maybe his interactions with them are linear, even though weird. they are not linear. But yeah, like I mean, like I was saying, I, yeah. I feel like there's no there's no way to do it that makes a hundred percent sense. And I'm still glad they did it. I am too. It's it's an yeah. interesting part of the storytelling, yeah. and I will continually come back to picking at what the orbs are, what the aliens are, what the wormhole is yes. for the entire run. Right. Because Good. I do think that they get wacky with it. Yeah. I'm so curious. Because right so now, curious. right now we have one orb that's on Deep Space Nine. Mm. The Canarsians right. have eleven or twelve. They've got like all the, all the rest, rest of them. them. Yet we just saw one that they use as like a throwaway spaceship to. To shrink down, or when they move Dax, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that. Oh, I my interpretation of that was that that was not an actual 
orb of the prophets. That was. It's just that when they send something out of the wormhole into the real world, it looks like that. Huh. So everything. Also, hello, like Rigoberto and Alex. Welcome, guys. I've been ignoring the chat. Sorry. <laughs> Lightspeed is a hit. Oh, uh, thanks, Alex. That's so sweet. Yeah. Um, okay, I need to get on the bike ride. Awesome. This was awesome, though. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Andy. Andy. That was Stop very exciting. Every episode. Super I would fun. love to. I'm going to I'm gonna keep watching the show with Andy. Yeah. It, yes. was, it was so hard for us to stop after watching the pilot. I yeah, like, right. we really wanted to watch more. <laughs> it's good to watch something in dribs and drabs, though. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it does help in an episodic way. Because if you binge it, then just all the seams are so visible. The, yeah. the giant yeah. shifts in tone between That's episodes. Point. Yeah, that's interesting. For and giving sure. yourself a buffer is not a bad idea. Yeah. Okay, we, well, we have so much to talk about here. We got to oh, talk yeah. about the other characters because we sure. haven't even gotten into the other characters. <laughs> so when you get to Deep Space Nine, you meet all these amazing characters Lieutenant that are going to be Belly Monster. Goo Man. <laughs> Wait. Who's, who's Lieutenant Belly Monster? The one that's got a pouch in her stomach. Oh, Zach. Okay, gotcha. Slug inside of it. I think the first one you meet is Miles O'Brien. Yeah. Which. For me, as like a longtime Next Generation fan, the fact that Miles O'Brien was a main character on Deep Space Nine filled me with, with so much joy. Yeah. I just, I love, 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 love uh, uh, Colm Meany. Yeah. I think he's an amazing it's great. actor. I mean, it's clearly just a like fan service thing, or like, a, hey, we're doing a new show. I think Let's... he earned it by oh. being awesome on TNG. Yeah, and I think it's great. I think it's a good call. I think it logically works with the show. Yeah, but clearly, it's a thing that they're manufacturing as far as like, okay, we need to get some. TNG kind of spin-off connection thing here. We need to bring some fans over. His character isn't your favorite, Amanda. Yeah, I <laughs> they actually originally wanted Ensign Rowe to play Major Kira. Right, it so, was originally Ensign Rowe. Which makes sense. And there's all when you read through some of the stuff, in. there's all kinds of things like the Tom Paris character was supposed to be somebody that was on Enterprise played by the same actor, but they didn't want to pay money to right. the person who had written the episode. So. Yeah, Tom Paris was Nick Locarno on on an episode of TNG. Right. And they just renamed him, and him, he was the same exact character. Same, everything the same. Just so they wouldn't have to pay residuals right. to the writers of that episode of TNG for every episode of Voyager. Right. Which but is I so mean, ridiculous. But the, the doing that, like, continuing thing, it's it's kind of the dumb thing that Star Wars does where, like, everybody's related to each other. Like, ah, it doesn't have to yeah. be Yeah, I mean, for me, like, Miles O'Brien coming over was supernatural and yeah. totally worked. Not, not supernatural, but super natural. It's not it as bad natural. as when they shoehorn Warfin. Yeah, for me, Worf was shoehorned, but we'll, we'll get to that hopefully someday. Hopefully. Um, Keep the show going so I, I mean, can complain about Worf. Yeah, I mean, so far, I'm like 100% in, into this, yeah, yeah. and I'm having so much fun and want to do this all the time. But yeah, so, so they introduced Miles, <laughs> just to make yeah. sure that some TNG so, fans watch, but it's good, I, it works out. It does work, and I, I feel like his character is instantly different on Deep Space Nine than he was on TNG. They I do a that, great job of showing it, like, hey, Miles, wasn't this your favorite room to push a button in? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also just a room. Then, like, half hour later, like, oh, move this, gotta move the power over here, I'm doing the thing, and I gotta do the thing. Like, yeah. he actually gets to be involved in fixing a problem. Yeah, it's a huge it's a huge promotion for Miles O'Brien, yeah. like, to become basically the chief engineer. See you, Corey. Thank you so much for hanging out, man. Bye! Um, yeah, he... Uh, it's interesting his scene with Picard where he says goodbye to his, to transporter room three, right. which we all now know is Miles O'Brien's favorite, favorite transporter room. room, which makes no sense. Uh, I, but I I love that scene. It's close to the bathroom. I love. <laughs> I, has anyone seen Miles O'Brien at work? The comic strip. Yeah. That, oh my god, yeah, it's it is so brilliant. Weird. It's everyone, dark and, and sad. Everyone and go look up Miles O'Brien at work. Yeah, it's so good. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's a comic strip online. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. 
Close to 10 forward. Well, let's see. Transporter yeah. room 3. What deck is that on? I don't know. Oh, boy. <laughs> Someone knows. Yeah, Sorry. what decks do the transporters start? I don't know. Right. Going to make a note for next week to do yeah, the homework. Yeah, that's a good of, question. Like, given all of the transporter rooms, why is this one his favorite? Totally. Uh, uh, right. I am going to write myself a note. Is it okay if I take notes? Oh, I'll sure. Okay. Yeah, you do what you want, man. You do, you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's interesting that he doesn't say anything to Picard as far as, like, thank you or it was an honor serving with you. All he says is, like, it was just a room. It was just a room, right. Yeah. I I feel like immediately he... It's almost like he's been sucking up for years yeah. on on the Enterprise, and now that he's got his own domain, he doesn't have to do that anymore. I, it's, it's I, I took it to be that he goes out of his way to be like, I don't have emotions. Like, when he's on the bridge, he's yeah. clearly, like... Hey, so I'm uh, leaving. I want everyone to see that I'm no. I don't recognize any of these assholes. I'm just gonna. Hey, do you want yeah. to see a Picard? No, 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 no. Yeah, no, that's school. true. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna split. I was he hoping, wants Picard to see him, or Riker, but, he's, or but he, Troy, he can't or, bring himself to ask. Yeah, he for wanted it. anyone on the bridge to be like, "Oh, Miles, see you later," and then he'd be like, "That's ah, no big deal." Just so, so that's maybe he secretly beams in Hooch from Guidance Stash. <laughs> Definitely, yes. yeah, the real stuff. Some actual Irish yeah. whiskey. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that he is kind of trying to act less emotional than yeah. he is, and yeah. that makes that sense. Make that scene make more sense where he says goodbye to Picard. Yeah, and I think I, you get the sense that those two men have an understanding, and and those words don't need to be said. Hey, Wainsey, what's up, man? Good to see you, Ryan Casey. Holy shit! High five, Ryan Casey. Wish you were here. Show no emotion. How's LA, my friend? <laughs> Show no emotion. Miss you it's already. The Irish way. It's the Irish way. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's true. It, it comes across like that. It really does. It felt like he yeah. was fishing for it and then was like, mm, no, but I don't really want it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it, it it tracks with his character while at the same time being a new sort of facet of his character. Well, because now they're going to develop him into a character. He's exactly, not, yeah. not going to just they, be you know the Irish button pusher. They immediately pull him back emotionally so that they can kind of do what they want with him yeah. throughout the course of the series. Uh, but I, there's something about the way that Miles O'Brien works with machinery that mm. makes it real to me. Yes. Like, the way that he works with devices. And I think Jordy had this also, LeVar Burton had this also, that the way that they spit out technobabble and right. the way that they pretend to push buttons yeah. <laughs> just makes it feel like the ship actually works. Well, they, the way they have it set up, the dynamic here, at least in this one, is that Lieutenant Belly Monster is like the technobabble queen. Oh, my God. And then O'Brien is like, oh, yeah, that would work. Let me go rip the shit out of everything and start connecting pipes and wires together. Yeah. You know, like, she comes up with the, the nonsense uh, plan that should never work, and he's like, ah, uh, yep, okay, we can make that work. Yeah, totally. I also love that uh, O'Brien is another family man, so are we going to get yeah. to know his family on Deep Space Nine? We already have met them on, on TNG. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually interviewed the girl who played Molly O'Brien on my ah. podcast uh, a couple years ago, nice. which was super interesting. But she said that uh, Colmini and uh, what's Keiko Keiko's actress's name? Don't know. Uh, I know this, and I Rosalind Chow, I think. Okay. Rosalind Chow. She said that they were like her onset parents Aww. in real life. Like they were very sweet to her and treated her like their daughter. That's and nice. that when they go to conventions and see each other, they're still like really close and uh, it's still in touch. Which I thought was super sweet. That's nice. Yeah, I I love the whole Miles. I, I love the O'Brien family. I think that's super interesting. My dog is named Miles. You know, <laughs> I I love this character. And traditionally, I've thought of Miles O'Brien as my favorite character on right. Deep Space Nine. Uh, Inkling boy, welcome. What's up? 
We'll get miles but of O'Brien by the end of the season. Something I want to do, um, something Doug and I talked about doing is at the end, at the end of every episode, we're going to decide who was our favorite character in oh, that sure. episode. Right, right. And then like make a spreadsheet and keep track <laughs> so that by the end of the we'll show, we can say best. like who is our favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> and not just like our favorite character, but also um, our... We're gonna like rate the episode and then talk. I want to talk about who had the best performance. Sure, because that for me is different than my favorite character. Yeah, not for me this time. It's it's Avery, favorite character and best actor. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. That was an interesting turn of that. Adam, that was a really interesting way of trying to write in a real life occurrence into the show <laughs> because uh, the woman who played uh, Kira became pregnant with the man who plays Doctor Bashir's baby. <laughs> well, they're uh, not his their baby. Right. Yeah. And they had to write that into the show somehow, because um, those two like fell in love and got married briefly, and then got divorced. Yeah, I saw her uh, Nana Visitor, uh, or I think is it Nana? N- I don't know how to say her name. Nana Visitor. She gave a talk at one of the conventions I went to, and she was amazing. Oh, she nice. was wonderful. Well, actually, let's talk about Kira because yeah. Kira is a character that drove me crazy <laughs> in the first few seasons of the show who I started to love by the end of the show yeah I liked her in this one I liked her a lot I think again I think that this was me coming back to it as an adult where I really liked her right off out the gate part of the problem is that racist uh, Miles O'Brien sets the audience up to Mm -hmm. be like hey have you ever served with a with Bajoran women, women that is totally no, the haven't. problem. That is the problem. Well, you'll find out. That is totally the problem. That's like very subtle uh, sexism that sets and up the, and racism, sure, <laughs> that sets up that character to be unlikable. Yeah, and and you get that several times from different people throughout the show, like that she's just like formidable and right. and, uh, and a pain in the ass, but brass um, and ballsy. Yeah, but but the thing is, like when you watch it with a modern perspective, if you if you if you ignore that stuff and treat it well not ignore it but treat it for what it is which like, is bullshit kind of racist yeah it's bullshit it's a bullshit thing to say yeah. uh, and may, I don't think the writers knew it was bullshit unfortunately at that point because we're still talking about like yeah. the, ni- the 90s right. and they do sort of try to scratch a little bit at like is Miles racist because of all the like stuff that he suffered through the Cardassian Wars and whatnot? Sure. You know. Well, oh, that reminds me. That, so Miles O'Brien fought the Cardassians at Setlick Three. He hates the Cardassians. Right. But well, that's not true. He hates what the Cardassians made him become, and we know right. specifically because there's an episode of The Next Generation where, that goes into the backstory of Miles O'Brien and talks about his fighting the Cardassians and how like. He he's not racist against Cardassians, but he hates what they made him become. Right. And he's uncomfortable around them because of that. He's not racist yeah. against Cardassians, but he does say things like all Cardassian women are crazy. Right. And he maybe he is a little bit racist, but he tries not to be. <laughs> and to. it's a very complex situation where yeah. like he fought them in a war and watched them like massacre women and children and he right. it's hard not to hold on to those feelings. Right. But I feel like they don't go into that on Deep Space it's, Nine. Well, that it's much. one of these and things they really where, could and they should, yeah, I think. It's, it's it's modern sensibilities, like you said, versus nineties where they just kinda lay that there and they don't delve deeper. It's the same thing later on when with like Julian where they're like, Oh, Julian's just like a fun flirty guy. Like, no, Julian's yeah. a fucking hella creep. <laughs> yeah, his characterization is really uneven. I yeah. think the most they, uneven of everyone. They smooth him out a little bit later on. Yeah. They, but then they also kinda laugh it off. We're like Right. Quark is like, oh, Quark is a bad guy, and he's the right. one who's like, you know, making unwanted advances to Kira immediately, and it, super creepy and gross. But right. Kira just shuts him down in, yeah. a, in a way that is really effective. I think. But Quark is clearly identified as like the villain with the yeah. heart of gold. Absolutely, the yeah. Starfleet people. It's like, no, these Starfleet people are, you know, the heroes with hearts of evil and darkness. You know? Yeah, 
Yeah, totally. It's, it's, but it's unexamined. Juxtaposition. It's, it's unexamined. On totally. The other yeah. There, there are there are points in this show where they don't examine things that I wish they would because sure, it sure. would make it a much richer experience. But yeah, so coming back to Kira, yeah. just uh, the bloody Cardis can't be trusted. <laughs> Cardis becomes like the sort of slurish thing that they refer to Cardassians as. You hated Quark as a kid, and you love him now. Yeah, I, it's interesting how this show like changes with time, how you re- inter- interact with the characters, because. Uh, Kira for me now in the first episode where I used to be I used to actually be uncomfortable with her character and I couldn't explain it right but I think that it is because of how Miles treats her where I like was apprehensive about her right but watching it now like she is a survivor of a lifelong occupation for her like Cardassians have been basically terrorizing her world her entire life it's as if she were you know a Jew living under a Nazi regime and that I mean that specifically is what they were trying to make allusions to is that the the Bajorans are kind of like uh, Jews living un- under a Nazi regime. Uh, I've read that from the writers before, and the Cardassians are sort of like the Nazi regime, basically. Right. Ocup- the occupying force that they kept Bajorans in camps and used them as slave labor. And the for- Federation is the U.S. <laughs> what is coming this? in What's to up, save John? everything. Welcome, John. I don't know what this is. We're talking about Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> World War Two in space. If anyone, yeah, I'll post this link again. If anyone has not seen the episode of Deep Space Nine we're talking about, there's a link to the Memory Alpha article about it so you can read about it. Uh, thank you, John. You're awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so she's a survivor. She's a she is a she's literally a terrorist. I mean, from the right. point of view of the of the Cardassians, she is a terrorist. Well, in, the, in her but point, she's of view, a freedom fighter. Like right. she's like the, well, the rebellion in Star Wars. On from her point of view, right. But what's interesting is again because of the time they just constantly refer to. She refers to herself as a terrorist later yeah. on. Yeah, like which, they just which never happened. Post not 9/11, now they would, now now they would make a big thing out of like freedom fighter and then only Brown the code, bad yeah. guys say yeah 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 Brown totally code. like Firefly yeah it, depending on which side of the war you're on you're either a terrorist or a vigilante. Yeah, uh, so and they do explore some of that stuff. Later. They do with her. They do, and they really go in depth with her, and they really, really grow her character over time. Um, and now I'm like really into her character from the first episode. Yeah, and I, I think there, another reason I didn't like her the first time I watched this is because I knew it was supposed to be Ensign Rowe and wasn't, and right. I was just like, oh. It would be so cool if this was Ensign Rowe. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I agree. So cool, and that seems like a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. But well, I get it. She didn't want to be in yeah, the sci-fi she didn't be I mean, she's yeah. kind of a good actor, so... She's great. I saw her give a talk also, and uh, she was good, but Nana Visitor was way better, yeah. which kind of made me feel like, oh, you know what, I'm okay with the fact that <laughs> Nana Visitor became didn't like this, this, this person in the Star Trek community, because she's so great with the fans, and what they do with her character is so good over time, and I think yeah. that she's a really great actress, and seems like a really cool person. She was making like a YouTube cook show at one point which is interesting Uh, so yeah at this point I'm super on board with Kira Kira. and I also uh, the dynamic of Kira and Odo being in the Bajoran military right and working with a Starfleet crew who is facilitating uh, what is in essence a Bajoran station that used to be a Cardassian station like what the fuck is that it is so convoluted but I love it I love it like this is Star Trek for grown ups you know (laughs) like for me this uh, it makes a lot less sense but is um, is more rewarding to kind of dive into the backstory of what's happening than anything that ever happened on Next Generation and this does make more sense than uh, Mycelial Network I'll give you that thank you that's my that's always my bar more or less sense (laughs) Yeah, from now on, that is the barometer right. of, whole time of sense. Less sense than a MySQL network. I'm still more sense on that one. <laughs> okay, that's fair. How about Q Continuum? More or less sense? What Q Continuum is the 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 far the needle gets buried. Yeah, the MySQL network is like 
baseline. Q Continuum was way <laughs> down here. Yeah, Q Continuum. It, it, it's space magic. It, it goes back to the space the origins magic. of this show and being like very Shakespearean, mm-hmm. where uh, basically they got a bunch of Shakespearean actors to say ridiculous shit in stupid costumes <laughs> and have it be all high and mighty and be super interesting. And that's Star Trek. You know, sure. that's what it is. Um, <laughs> the storyline didn't catch you up. You have to watch in order. That's so true. Like, Deep Space Nine, it's really easy to get lost. And actually, I think that the first episode doesn't quite explain the situation to my to, to my understanding. You know, like, you, you have to... Oh, thanks, Gamer Guy. I don't, I don't understand, understand a word you're, you're saying, saying, but I'm still listening. Uh, yeah, Gamer Guy, you just came back. I just posted this link if you want to read the description of this episode that we're talking about. Yeah. If you and, and I mean, we're getting into deep into the characters. So if you haven't seen yeah. it, it's going to be like, wait, what's going on? But hopefully still fun if you haven't All seen it. All you need to know right now <laughs> is that a guy who loves baseball is in command of the ship that they have... <laughs> That's the, all you need to know! All you need to know! The guy who loves baseball! parked the space mall in front of the tear in space. Yes. Yeah. That's and the Terran space leads to a different part of space. Yeah. With different people. Which we're going to get to in a minute right. here. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, the Bajoran military kind of brustling again. Brustling? Brustling. Is that a word? It could be. Uh, against the uh, against the Starfleet crew, particularly Kira. Yeah. I think, you know, I fucking love Odo. I love Odo so much. Odo mm. is such a cool character. Mm. Are you not an Odo no, guy? No, that's my Odo. Okay. Mm. <laughs> um... I love Odo because <laughs> because he like he's such a good job of, judge of character, and right. I I love uh, I love characters who are a good judge of character. Baseball at the Space Mall, <laughs> who have a big brawl with the Dominion, y'all. <laughs> Justin wins. Hey, um, well done, Justin. Justin, I'm gonna give you some power crystals for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're good typing. I'm going to give you a thousand power crystals, Boom. which is our in-chat currency, because that was such a good sentence. Did I do it right? Axon Media Seattle. Did I spell that right? That's a tough Yeah, one. it worked. Boom. There we go. Boom. Uh, you can gamble them. Actually, if you go into my Discord here, here's a link. You should invest them in cryptocurrency. If you go into my Discord, there's a, uh, a whole channel that'll describe everything about power crystals. Um... Yeah, so you can gamble them, you can go on space flights, all sorts of fun stuff. So anyway, I, Odo is like such a great judge of character, and there's this moment where he like kind of sizes up Cisco and is like, I think I'm going to be okay working right. for this I guy. I thought I was going to hate him, but yeah. now he's fucking over this guy in a way that kind of bends the rules, but I hate the guy he's fucking over. Yeah. So I like him. Which is an interesting moment, because right. uh, in the first episode of this show, Benjamin Cisco, our hero character... Um, holds a young boy hostage. Let's say a minor. A minor, yeah. <laughs> Nog is a minor at this point. He's under the age of, what, he's gotta be what, 13? He's, let's see, he, uh... 13, 14? He's a kid. He's probably about 14, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, Because they make it hit that he's about Jake's age. John, at first you didn't think you were gonna like him. Yeah, I... So he's, and you know, yeah, he legitimately did almost get caught robbing a store. I don't think they caught him robbing it. They just saw him near the scene of the crime. Yeah, I, well, he was robbing. I think he was actively robbing the store. I'm just saying they didn't yeah. catch him red-handed. They just saw him later. I think that they had they had they, enough of a reason to arrest him, right. for sure. But I feel like because he's a minor, the idea of like not releasing him to the family who's leaving is right. is kind of against Starfleet morals. Oh, yeah, like, it's Quark super asks, blackmail. Yeah, he bla- yeah, totally. Benjamin Sisko blackmails Quark to stay on the station by holding Nog hostage. His nephew. Straight up, yeah, Quark straight is up. Nog's nephew. Yeah, Boy, uh, this yeah. show... Nog is Quark's nephew. Nog is Quark's nephew. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's this a complicated show. This is what's wrong with Star show. Trek. <laughs> this is what's right with Star Trek. Are you kidding me? This is the best. Um, yeah, so I... 
that this time I never it never even occurred to me that that was fucked up because yeah. <laughs> I, you know as a kid I just kind of assumed that all the decisions that are made by the Starfleet crew are correct right and I think that Deep Space Nine very specifically is trying to say that that is not true they're making everything a bit shades of gray everyone's totally be a bit darker which is good yep. because that's yep. one of the problems with kind of utopian vision is yep. like well this is boring as fuck you know <laughs> yeah and they they explicitly go into this later on in the show but starting out this time I feel like it's it's just like a shade of that that Cisco is willing to do what it takes for the greater good in his mind and I think that that's something we talked about a lot in the Babylon 5 podcast that you and I did together is that right. um, like that the show needs to comment on whether or not what the lead characters are doing is wrong if if it is morally gray. Right. right. And Deep Space Nine for me absolutely does that. It has whole episodes about that. Yeah. Whereas Babylon Five never even got into it. Yeah, and I will say there's blind spots in Deep Space Nine, but there is more of a questioning of it, uh, a deeper questioning of the of the gray area stuff. Yeah. Babylon Five's problem was that sometimes they didn't even look at it. It's like that's not right. a gray area. Totally. That's just tricking aliens. Right. We're just tricking aliens, and w- which. It's so funny because Cisco does that in this episode. Yeah. And I don't think that it is commented on, but yeah. I, I also think that what he's doing is for Quark's own good. And I think that by the end of the episode, when he like he shuts down Quark's and Quark's all pissed off. Right. Because Quark's like, I just found this way to make this great profit. Like, this is what I want to do. Right. So he really comes around to that and wants to be a part of it and like wants to stay and run his, you know, his bar by the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, Odo seeing that Quark, that that Cisco is willing to do that, he's like instantly on Cisco's side, which is kind of cool. I love, I love the 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 fact that Quark, or excuse me, that Odo is a changeling. I, the whole <laughs> the whole changeling thing is so concept. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh. but there's one moment that's super shoehorned into the episode. That's like character development moment where uh, they're about to go. Where are they going? They're gonna go like. They're gonna go explore the wormhole or something. Like, oh, right. He's doing? like, I'm coming along. Exactly. Because yeah. I popped out of that wormhole, probably. Yeah, and it's just like <clears throat> really shoehorned character yeah. development. He's like, I never knew where I came from. And right. if you're going to the Denorius Exposition. That's, that's where I appeared. And, yeah, yeah, exposition. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah, just very clunky exposition. Very blatant. And, and that's, that's like part of the problem with episodic pilot stuff, too, is that you could have planted seeds for Odo and then strung them along throughout the season. You don't have to, like you said, shorn it all in right, right now. Although Odo is literally watching us right now. And so that's, uh, that's Odo and Kira and Julian <laughs> yeah. Bashir that are watching us. So he's hearing everything we're saying about him. And they are standing incredibly still. Yeah, it's because we are non-linear beings. Yeah, we this underst- whole thing is happening in a moment. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing about that, is that to them, we are non-linear because I know everything that happens with Odo. Yeah, well, we have already established that you and I, in the in the reality of what's actually on screen, we are the wormhole aliens. We are the wormhole aliens. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we are in hyperspace, and we we can survive in space. And we're happening we're happening so fast that the, it appears that the people on screen are not moving. We don't have a planet. But they are alive. That yeah. was chairs. That's what Cisco was laying down on. Who's laying down on our chairs? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I actually also think that the effects for Odo. Um, his shape-shifting effects have actually held up pretty well. That's not bad. I was thinking that. I was like, this must have been hella expensive when they made this, and they clearly are like, we're not going to shy away from this. We're going to just yeah. like give you a long, steamy gawk at, at him <laughs> shape-shifting. And yeah. that had to have been around the era of, the, of T2, right? Because that was oh. when that kind of like morphing kind of thing I feel like was okay this is we can do this now yeah we can like do gooey liquid uh, transformations of people yeah but the T2 uh, was a little, like the billion dollar oh that was me green screen thing hold on I'm gonna move this for, 
I'm just gonna move the green screen. Hold I on. warped reality! I just wanna show everyone this. <laughs> Look at this. Ah! Now we're like... <laughs> now we're just in my room. Which I think is really cool. Wait, 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 wait. wait I what? see the most idyllic pasture. I oh, see, we're in space. I don't see your, now I see space again. Yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. Green screens are fun. Okay, I think I fixed it. Oh, on the no, side note. Oh, you know, it's the light from outside. I've had this problem before. Hold on. Let me, let me close these, uh, these blinds a little bit more. I love this green screen. Me too, it's pretty slick. Yeah, it, like, That's it's the, the one from Elgato, and you can just, like, set it up in almost a second. Yeah. Almost nude. Interesting. Don't know what you're talking about, but... Well, okay, then! <laughs> if you paid the crystals! You love, uh, Eel Voyager. This is way overhead. Have you watched Deep Space Nine? Zelda Die Hard? You should watch it, it's awesome. You isn't, should watch Oh, oh! Isn't Odo technically always naked? Yes! Yes! There's all- Odo is technically always naked. He does have a com badge, because in the future they'll show things where like, Oh, he shapeshifts and he either absorbs it or drops it behind, depending on what the plot needs. Odo, I should uh. say, it, when I said my scale of like, my steel network, things that make kind of sense, and then things that are flat out ridiculous Q Continuum, Odo is like, one hair down below the Q Continuum. Because uh. he turns into a bag that weighs nothing, uh, like he can just like manipulate mass on him that just seems insane to me there's like yeah. no explanation of that and then they show him he's like oh look he's this tiny little go boom big tall man yeah later on in a future episode I'll wait to complain about it later he turns into a glass that breaks and then someone complains at one point like oh this guy's heavy I don't like it yeah I, it's I like it I it works for me I, I like that he is uh a super powerful character with weird limitations. Yes. Like, he can't make his face look totally human. Right. But he's trying really hard. I actually, I mean, he's been working with Bajorans for most of his life. Why Why doesn't he try to have forehead? Bridges? I don't know. And, like, his cheeks are weird in this one. And Yeah, the makeup is not exactly how it's going to be. How could you turn in into a one? leather bag with a zipper, but you're like, mmm, noses are tough. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, That's I don't a know. blockage up here, Odo. You need to spend <laughs> some time in the wormhole. <laughs> working through your shit. Like, oh, yeah. maybe I have antagonism towards bipedal solids because they tortured me when I was a little ball of goo. That's why I can't turn into them because I don't want to literally turn into them. Interesting. There, and there is an episode there is an episode that goes into uh, into that a little bit more that I don't want to mention now because it's one of my favorite moments in the show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, which is such a cool episode where they go, go a little more in depth about, about his face not looking quite human in yeah. a way that's so surprising and interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I love him as a character. I love his arc in the show. Um, yeah, I mean, there are times where I feel like Odo is my favorite character. <laughs> because science. Yeah. Space magic. Space magic. There's a difference. But you know what doesn't make sense? It's just the way that the communicators work. I think that oh, that's below sure. the mycelial network. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Right, yeah. We're talking about fundamental Star Trek things. You're like, wait a yeah. minute. <laughs> totally. Like, they, they click it, and then they they talk into it, but then it's immediately connected to someone. Right. But it doesn't make sense, because, like, they, it doesn't... How does the system know who that they're talking to? Because it's like like Picard to Data, and then Data says yes, sir, immediately. Right. And then on Data's end, he hears Picard to Data. So it's like the the communicator knows before Picard says <laughs> Picard to Data that he's going to call Data. Quantum which entanglement doesn't make sense. I mean, my my only theory is that is that it's an editing thing where like no, oh, they're just editing it bad. There, there's like a when he says Picard to Data, there's like a a split second where. Like the communicator hears data and then says to data, Picard to data a second later, right. and then puts them into a real time conversation. That's the only way I can explain it to myself. 
but it literally does doesn't make sense and it's not consistent throughout the show how it works mm-hmm. uh, like sometimes they click their badges to receive calls and sometimes they don't it just does it literally doesn't make sense it's like the transporters they just you just wave your hand around it yeah it becomes whatever you want do you hey Dan Marchetti what's up man welcome do you think that the transporters are are killing you every time you speed. trans you transport? Oof. How long is this podcast? Uh, sorry, <laughs> stream. It's not a podcast. It's as long as we want, man. Okay, I didn't know if you had another one after this. I don't. I don't. It's just that. Uh, yeah, the transporter thing is really interesting because yeah, they're definitely killing you. I mean, there's no other <laughs> or or it's space magic. I mean, if you want to go yeah. the science route, then yeah, they're burning your atoms down and then turning that into data and then pushing the data somewhere else. Right. Uh, it, it's or is the energy that makes up your person Person, actually the energy that moves in which case you maybe aren't dying you're just kind of transforming into energy and then being moved and then being right. reconstituted right the idea of cloning like, or reassembling yeah it's like the prestige have you seen that movie uh yes uh, yeah yeah I yeah. love that movie yeah. so much and they do I mean you get the whole Thomas Riker stuff what right. basically Star Trek has said like you know what we can turn people into information but we're not gonna like do anything with it like keep people immortal or heal people except for every once in a while in an episode where we need to bring back a main character but other than that it's basically ignored technology yeah. it's almost like when Kirk discovered time travel twice yeah. within in, a, in like the first season right? yeah and then they do <laughs> nothing with it like hey maybe yeah. this should be all that the Federation does but then literally on time travel. literally Spock says that time travel is impossible years later in the movies sure and then they time travel again right it's like what are you talking about what is the deal with this I did so I feel like that was one of those things that in Enterprise they turn it into like a trope of like the Vulcan Commission of Science does not acknowledge like they know that time travel is real and they know that time travel fucks up everything and Mm -hmm. so they just are like it doesn't see I have another theory that that uh, all of the stuff that the Enterprise does they basically ruin space around Earth and that's why all the stuff is weird it's like time is fucked in the Star Trek universe right because they started fucking with time you know what I mean like they've created this garbage universe all around their alpha quadrant (laughs) yeah that that's actually really interesting like what if the expanse is is like a that's a future that's like another next level of like if you keep fucking with time you're gonna get weird bubbles in your space too yeah totally although I think they explain the expanse in season probably they have uh, those big ships three it, of yeah. Enterprise which I fucking love season three of Enterprise yeah, by the good. way it's so good I love it we'll People's, keep this going long enough we'll do Enterprise that would be I, I would do every episode of every Star I've seen every episode of every Star Trek yeah. at, at least <laughs> once many of them like five to ten times um yeah, so I love Odo. I love yeah. I love what we get of him in this episode. Yeah, he's and, the sheriff. And I yeah, he's the sheriff. Yeah, totally. I actually read something before we started. It's a western in space. Oh, yeah, there's a time police entity from the future existing only to maintain the integrity of the timeline. Yeah, the uh, the temporal what are they called? The the time cops. temporal in Enterprise there's the um what is he called? He's like a temporal agent of some kind. Yeah. And there's also like the temporal investigation committee that mm-hmm. you'll see in DS9. Right. Which is really cool. Because they do a good... Because they do some really good time travel episodes yeah. in this show. I think I think maybe the best time travel episode of any Star Trek is in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, yeah, totally. I love how much we talk about the other future episodes. Because it's hard not to. Yeah, but those, those are like light spoilers. Yeah, I think that's okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think most people who are here have watched the show. But I do want people to watch the show with us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if you haven't seen the show before, I want you to feel comfortable. And if you've seen it before, you can get a refresher when we start to do the, like... You know, mm, this is weird that they did it this way. They just don't care about the Abramsverse timeline. Yeah, the temporal police don't exist in that timeline. Although that, I mean, uh, that or timeline... is that all they're dealing with right now? Is like Jesus, this Kelvin thing is a fucking nightmare. All hands on yeah. deck. 
I think uh, I think the Kelvin timeline, in my mind, it exists separately from the main timeline. Like they both exist. Where when mm-hmm. Nero goes back, he creates a new timeline, but the other one continues to exist. Of course it does. Yeah, it's just like the it mirror doesn't, like, universe. Overwrite the other one. I I personally believe the mirror universe is basically an alternate timeline that someone had created at some point in time in the Star Trek universe, and that just keeps running along. You sure, know? yeah, and if you look at like the episode Parallels with Worf in Season 7 of TNG, where he starts to go through all these different parallel quantum realities, maybe all these different timelines are just different quantum realities, and the sure. mirror universe is just another one of those. But you can create a new one through, an, through a, a massively irresponsible act of time travel. <laughs> so maybe like the original Star Trek timeline keeps being fractured yeah. by all of these different time travel events mm-hmm. so the timeline we're watching now is like the, the thousandth iteration of this because every timeline is slightly different and maybe some timelines cease to exist mm-hmm. and others continue and mm-hmm. all sorts of crazy shit who knows maybe TOS and TNG don't quite take place in the same timeline and yeah. that's why the technology is different yeah totally but what I like to think is that the version of the characters that we are introduced to is the version that we watch throughout the course of these series yeah sure so like Captain Picard by the end of Nemesis is the same man as the as you know the first episode right 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 but but the timeline that they've gone through maybe has like splintered off into several new sure. ones. So maybe they're not even in the same timeline anymore, but it's still the same man. That's just my own internal logic. This is down here. My seal network. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say that I'm not necessarily a type of viewer that needs to nitpick. Mm-hmm. Which sounds insane after the conversation we've just been I having. I don't need to, but, but it's it is fun. my call. It's fun, but none of these things necessarily bother oh, me. Oh, me neither. It's the, fun to, yeah. to, to to take it apart it, and look it, at it. It's fun. It is fun. Like, the communicator thing doesn't bother me. The mycelial network thing does bother me, because I retconning bothers me. I, I think, like, take what you've made and expand upon it. If you can find a way to retcon something perfectly, it can be really effective, but mm-hmm. it's next to impossible, and Discovery, in my opinion, did a terrible job of that. <laughs> uh, and I think that even... even Can't wait till we get to Discovery. Yeah. I'm going to bring it up every episode. Oh, God. <laughs> even even DS9 has some retconning issues, that thing we were talking about in Season 7. Thrills! Yeah. <laughs> oh, we um, look different now. Why? Ah, because that lady's really hot, and we didn't want to have her face all fucked up. Yeah, there's, like, oh, a different okay, version of legit. Trills. In TNG, and they actually, uh, I think that there is internal logic to this that there are like different continents, and that there are different yeah, you ways can, that yes, trolls look. You can wave it away, explain it. Yeah, the Kel- the Kelvin timeline Klingons look different, and the uh, the new show they look even more different. Mm-hmm. And TOS they look more different, which yeah. gets a backass explained through through Enterprise, uh, right? Which doesn't explain. Uh, Kane and Kodo and Koss who show up later, but whatevs. But it know? really doesn't. I mean, we're all the, super cash around here. <laughs> we we didn't need the explanation in Enterprise, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. But we really didn't need them to look different five years earlier on Discovery, <laughs> or ten years earlier on Discovery. And I I maintain that the only reason they changed the look of the Klingons in Discovery it's is because they wanted to have a secret reveal of of a of a Klingon being a human, so they had to make the makeup like more obscure. To like obscure someone's sure, face. Sure, yeah. I think that's the only only reason. Yeah. Random great. direction question: waste and trash, replicated items and food, dissolve or shoot into space. I think that, I think that everyone's poop is uh, dematerialized into nothingness. You are eating poop in space. I actually think that they they dematerialize your poop into the energy that is then used in the replicators to make your dinner. Yeah, it's a self-contained system. Yeah, that's why Voyager can last for like 
70 years out in space with nothing. Because it's going to pick up a little bit more juice for the engines. That, oh, that show <laughs> makes no sense. Second best Star Trek. No way. Tied with TNG Definitely and not. DS9. No, behind all of them. Um, <laughs> Tied for second. I think so. We know 90s. that we Star know that Trek. in the Star Trek universe, matter and energy are interchangeable. So I think that poop becomes energy and then becomes food. Yeah, T Earl Grey. Hot. <laughs> P. Earl Grey. P. Earl Grey. Hot. hot. Uh. <laughs> Do you want to take five? I got pee. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take five. I want to get some water. Oof. Does that mean we are we done? Done though? Because we take five. Who's gonna hang around to watch it? Like. You know what? Doesn't be- matter. We got so much more to talk about. Okay. Yeah. And I take five from streams often. Oh, you people, do. People this are is new still to me. There. I'm a podcast person. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Uh, Smoke them if you got them. I'm going to leave you with this, and let's see. Maybe I'll put up... Well, I'll just leave you with this for... Just stare at this. I don't know. Should I leave you with that? Should I leave you with this with the AFK screen? Leave the... Yeah. I would leave the space thing. Okay. Let me add my AFK screen. Okay. Um, I forgot to put that here. Boom. (laughs) I haven't updated this. Oh, that's great. Yeah, this is this is what I put on the screen whenever I take a break, so yeah. people know what's up. <laughs> okay, uh, we will be back in just a couple of minutes. I'm gonna pee. I'm turning off our camera, which happens like that. Oh! Now it's just space, <laughs> and now I'm turning off the microphone, and we'll see you in just a minute. No one can hear me talking. No one can hear me smoking. <laughs> <laughs> we back. We're back. Thank you, Dan and Amanda. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, you guys are awesome. That was a good break. That was a good break. That was a really nice break. How was your break, everyone else? <laughs> I got more tea. Yeah. We. I, I smoked a cigarette. We took a, a breather. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about we Deep talked Space about Deep Space Nine. Nine. It was we were seriously like standing outside talking about Deep Space Nine. I'm like this is ridiculous. Save it for the stream. But we can't maybe? help it. We yeah. literally can't help it. Okay, we talked about. We talked a little bit about... Well, we talked about Odo, but we didn't really talk about Quark that much. Yeah, we're jumping to character to character, which is a good focus. Yeah, Quark... Wait, you're fighting with Amazon? Is that about the, the thing you sent? Or is it about getting your, your refund? Because I, I can call them, too, if that's a problem. Yeah, Amanda sent me uh, Wind Waker off my wish list. Oh! And it went to the wrong address. Oh. And, like, we couldn't get it redirected, so we had to reorder it, and they said they were sending her a refund. I just want to make sure she gets yeah. it. No, that's what it's about? No? Okay, well, DM me. Tell me what's going on, and I'll... I'll I'll give them a call after the stream. Twisting some goddamn arms. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, okay, uh, let's talk about Quark, Quark because yeah. I think that he's—they don't do much with him this time. Yeah. He's basically he's the scoundrel with maybe a heart of gold and also uh, grabby hands on ladies' hips. <laughs> grabby hands. Yeah, he's a little handsy. Oh my god, I just remembered something. Look what's in my pocket. <laughs> in case you didn't have enough of a breather. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I was reading a little bit on it's the like memory a space joint. I love it. Space joint. Yeah, it's that is exactly what that is. I was reading a little bit on Memory Alpha before the stream about how the producers wanted to create a Western version of Star Trek. Oh yes, yep. And how uh, they needed like the sheriff, they needed the barkeep, mm-hmm. and like you know everyone comes to you instead of going out everywhere else. Always <laughs> trying to get the umox, totally <laughs> horny bastards. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so he is like the traditional barkeep, yeah. you know, and Odo is like the sheriff, the, the sheriff. sheriff, the constable. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I really, really like Cork. I've always really liked Cork. He's yeah. like a despicable character that's really fun to like. And for me, the most interesting thing about Cork is the way that they developed the Ferengi over the course of this show. Mm. Because if you go back through Star Trek, traditionally, Ferengi have just been a joke. Yeah. I mean, on Next Generation is where they were debuted. Right. Uh, really early on in the series, as a total like misstep. Yeah. But as, as far huge. as trying to make like a new threatening species mm-hmm. they totally miss the boat <laughs> but I, I it's crazy to me that like after everything that happened on TNG with Ferengi that they would decide to make a main character of Ferengi right crazy for several Listen, reasons we spent all this money on these goddamn rubber masks yeah totally. I believe even the guy what's his name that plays Cork, yeah he's one of the he is. First Ferengi, so they're like, That's true. listen, he's got the thing, well, you know, this and is going to be cheaper. Do you remember that episode where there's that, where Loxana Troy is coming on board and there's going to be a wedding and there's a box with jewels inside of it and there's a face? Yeah. It says, the day of joy is at hand. Yes, that's yes. Armin Shimmerman. Ah, that's, that's Quark. Oh. Yeah. They're laser whips. I know. I, yeah. Everyone complains. I thought the laser whips were fucking rad. And this, I the, liked the, those. this scene in the in the first one where it's, it's the, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's like all up in the all up in the thing. Totally. <laughs> that's the best impression. <laughs> that's that's how Ferengi is like, introduced. He's in like a pure white room. He's like in the wormhole, he's in the wormhole. with the prophets. <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. Just because they couldn't build a set. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and like the makeup involved in Ferengi, they have a whole family of Ferengi in every yeah. episode. They it's do a deep dive with choice. the Ferengi, which is interesting. and they do. Yeah. It's it's, it's a fucked up dive because it's a fucked up society yeah but uh it is it is interesting i i've always this heard is, and they only hint at any more of it now now right. it's just straight up here's quark he's kind of a dick but we're gonna have him but we've never run the bar even in this episode we've never seen ferengi care about each other ever right we've never seen a ferengi family that liked each other enough to try to do something to stay together yeah like we've only seen ferengi be power hungry and horny that's literally yeah. oh and greedy that's, that's all we've ever but seen but that's super star trek too is that basically one of the things that you have to accept in the show is like all cardassians are bad because otherwise why not hire a fucking cardassian uh computer dude to work with miles no instead it's like Miles going, God, I can't figure out any of this shit works. Yeah. Too bad uh, all Cardassians are evil, otherwise we can get <laughs> one in here to help us I, figure this shit out. I think this show tries to start with those tropes yeah. and then unravel them Absolutely. over time, yeah, yeah. which is why I like this show so right. much. In the species They way, do that with Cardassians and with Ferengi. them. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's very species but what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, so they I flesh them out. They add dimension. They, they try, again, it's like it's adding shades to the own of Star Trek, but also in a detailed level to the species and the aliens that they've created. Totally. And I actually, I mean, I don't like all of what they do with the Ferengi, but I, I do like how they, um, I do like how they evolve the species in a couple of ways, very specifically, I actually really love it. Like the whole idea of the great material continuum, which comes up way right, later, right, 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 right. which kind of explains the the sort of religious beliefs of the Ferengi around capitalism, capitalism and why they're so obsessed with, you know, with wealth. It kind of goes back to some of the more spiritual beliefs and in ways that are like something that you could see from the outside maybe and respecting. And I, I love that they take the most mocked species and make them kind of more respectable yeah. uh, throughout the course of the show. It'll be fun to talk about some of the Ferengi episodes. Yeah, uh, for sure. Nice Cisco versus mean Cisco. Uh, <laughs> interesting. It seems he's uncharacteristically short-tempered with people if the script calls for it, but only then. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean... I think that he is someone who's... He basically doesn't... He don't, he don't truck no bullshit. You know what I mean? He's uh, a serious-minded person. And I think that it's, it's 
it comes it can come across as mean but it's not that he is mean you know it's just like he's kind of shitty to kira when he first meets her but he's doing it in a jovial way because well she's being shitty she starts it off right yeah. right the, he's matching her energy in that point yeah i've never thought about about that i've always felt like he just had a shorter temp temper than picard or any of the other captains really right um but i've always but i've never felt like he well i guess short-tempered is the wrong word I felt like his angry level is louder. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I think that he's actually very in control yeah. usually. Um, he's passionate, but then he does, and he's not. Okay, I'm gonna keep an eye out for that, Dan. I'm gonna keep yeah. an eye out for that this time because I haven't noticed that he says uh, he usually has patience, but then he doesn't. He's not. Uh, he's consistent. not consistent. Yeah, that's, that's unsurprising. Yeah. In, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay Star attention Trek. to that. Characters are wildly inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, um, we haven't talked about the other Starfleet people that come aboard. Okay. Got, Are we good with Quark, though? Like, basically, he shows uh, yeah. up, and then they blackmail him into being a, a, a businessman. And he's yeah. Nice. I mean, he's pretty one-dimensional in this episode. So far, yeah. yeah. There's more with him later, but... Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would love to talk about Dr. Bashir, because I love, I love his, like, wide-eyed enthusiasm right. in this episode. He's just, like, such an idiot. Yes. But so... He's, like, a brilliant idiot. You know, he's yeah. super smart, but he has no idea how the world works. He just thinks everything's great. He's going to be a hero in right. this, like, Old West adventure out in space that he thinks he's going on. Uh, but he has no idea that he's going to, like, get caught up in, you know, very serious shit and deal with life and death in a way that he's not prepared for uh, throughout the course of the show. And I, it's... I, I love him at first. When, in the uh, beginning of the show, he's one of, one of, if not my favorite character. Interesting. Uh, but by the end of the show, he's, he's definitely... I still like him, but... I kind of fall out of love with the character. I go point. the opposite. I don't like him at all. Oh, really? Until later on, and then I think they really settle into uh, the way to do him, uh, which is this like casual, cocky arrogance, uh, and I like it. Now I don't like him because well, well, he's kind of creepy. It's le- it's only a little bit here, but it gets he gets really persistence with persistent when trying to pursue uh, Lieutenant Belly Monster, and that <laughs> starts to get a little gross. We're here. Yeah. He's like he's just awkwardly. Also, weirdly, just like asking her out straight up in front of other people. That was such an awkward moment. Yeah, like, do you not know how to deal? <laughs> yeah, like the moment they walk off the shuttle onto Deep Space Nine. Whoa, he asks her out. you're pretty. Do you want to go get dinner? And she says yes. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah, but she says now yes in a way like, I'm going to put this dude in the friend zone right away. <laughs> yeah. But then, I mean, then you get into that fascinating discussion about the fact that she is like to Cisco an old man. Yes. Like, yes. quite literally. I do. Dax's character is one that I do enjoy because I they, love Dax. They, I think they're fairly consistent with her, or the inconsistency can always be explained as well. It's like seven different people, uh, but I like the kind of like uh, lust for life aspect that they give to Dax, and yeah. that none of that is evident here now. Yeah. Now she's just kind of like hyper competent and like wide eyed, like wow, this is pretty cool. Especially for someone who's lived so many lives to still have a lust for life, I think is really powerful from a storytelling perspective. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love her introduction in this episode. I adore her relationship with Captain Sisko. Yeah, Well, yeah. Commander at this point, Sisko. It's one of my favorite relationships in the show, like that p- core pairing of them. Yeah. I love the first time he calls her old man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you haven't watched the show, basically, she has this worm in her belly, a symbiont <laughs> that they call it, uh, a worm that is a sentient creature that needs a, a, a human-looking creature to exist inside of to live. Right. And their species just evolved together, the trill. Uh, they're, they're a joined species. So both creatures are the trill, you know? Right. The, the human 
the humanoid woman and this worm creature. Right. Uh, and the memories of all the people that the worm creature has lived inside of maintain, like, stay inside of that worm as it goes from host to host, so the new host will have their own memories and then memories of all these other lifetimes. Right. It's very Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very regeneration in Doctor yeah, Who. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of... The, the general gist of it is that the, uh, the monster is basically... Uh, experiencing the new lives that it's being lived with but that the person the host is the one that has the free will and has the control basically of of choice infused with the memories and thoughts of the previous lives yeah and just seeing it in this like young woman <laughs> that she has age in a way that is unusual right. wisdom and intelligence through the performance i yeah. think is really fucking amazing yeah. i think that Every moment that Dax, that Jadzia Dax is on screen is, like, amazing to me. Because yeah. that character is so well realized. Uh, and something that's so fantastical. Like, what what if a young woman could have the memories of, like, seven or whatever other lifetimes? You know, what would that be? Yeah. And that's what I, another thing I love about Deep Space Nine is that it takes these huge things. Like, what if yeah. this creature's gods actually lived above their planet? You right, know? Right, like, right. what what if, what if you could talk to a creature that didn't have any concept of time right what if you could change your body into any shape or like what what if you just appeared from nowhere and had no idea where you were from in the galaxy but then all of a sudden uh, a portal to another place opens right there i mean all these big what ifs that are so interesting to get um examined over the course of the show what if your entire existence was created to suffer <laughs> that's miles o'brien for sure um but yeah i think dax is, is one of those big ones oh man dan i love that benny yeah, we'll get to that eventually, but that shit, I love that shit. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, Latoya says DS9 had the best crew when it came to not everyone being human. Yes. I yeah. agree, yeah. Seeing the interaction of different aliens and different species is, is really, I think, at the core of, of Star Trek. And this one did a really good job of setting up a lot of that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, so, I mean, I love Dax in this episode. I love that there's this, like, 10 millennia old mystery of where is the Celestial Temple, Solve and it. she solves it in, like, an afternoon. Yeah, two hours to get the computer yeah. to make a database, and then... It would have been faster if the computer was faster. Yeah, right, <laughs> stupid Cardi computer. Yeah. Uh, that, But that is the one moment in this episode where my logic... One of the moments where my logic button was being pushed you in just, an unsettling way. I was like, over that. I was yeah. like, this doesn't make sense. They, yeah. they ha- I mean, she basically just cross-references all the mentions of the Celestial Temple right. with... Each and other, and, and then, then put it on a map, it. and then it's and, like, oh, yeah. it's right there, and they fly out, and then they find, and also they fly out in a way that doesn't make it seem like it's a real long ways away. They right? Just, they just go there, you know. It seems really close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that doesn't quite make sense. The way that, I think the way they try to explain it is that unless you were directly scanning that one place, right. you wouldn't see it. Mm, but because... then they also show that when you get near it, it opens. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that that explanation doesn't quite hold water because, like, if you think about a planet that has fa- spacefaring technology and has the type of sensors that you see in Star Trek, they're scanning everything around yeah. them there's, all the time. The, there's, they could scan that entire sector from the planet. There's all kinds of stuff as we go on further that it'll be like, oh, yeah, nothing that they do with the wormhole makes any sense at all. Right. Right now, in this episode, the first thing that doesn't make any sense is they're like, yeah, you know, this is kind of a backwater, but this is important. We need Federation presence here. We're not going to yeah. give any guns or anything, but good luck. And then they leave, and they're like, oh, shit, you guys almost got blown out of the sky by three Kardashian warships. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. We're still not going to give 
give you any guns or anything, but now you are super important, you know? Yeah, you put Deep Space Nine on the map, you, put <laughs> you still get no more funding. <laughs> yeah. I just thought of something. Yes. So we know from a future episode, this is a light spoiler, that Bajorans were a spacefaring people long before humans were, mm -hmm. and that there is a possibility that Bajorans have fallen through the Celestial Temple before, but what if, uh, or, if, or run into it before? I mean, there's right. like, you know, we see that in the first episode, Dax has all these mentions of this, maybe seeing the Celestial Temple, or like where the orbs might have come from. If, right. I think she was like tri triangulating that. Any kind of weird shit that happened. And I, I assume that she was like looking at historic accounts of maybe people seeing something that might be the Celestial right. Temple. Reading I don't know if that was mentioned or not, but that's what I assume. Yeah. But what if, uh, what if the people who'd seen it in the past who were Bajoran assume that it's the Celestial Temple and don't even think that it's a wormhole. Like, what if right. they think that they're just seeing the portal to the gods and because of that, maybe they don't want to, you know, examine it further because they think that they shouldn't because yeah. they have this, like, religious fear of it. Yeah. I'm reaching very yeah. far right now to I try mean, to explain why they haven't discovered right. this wormhole. It's, well, that's the thing that's tough about it is that you have this this group of people who have a religion based around this thing that is literally on their back doorstep in space they have ships they can get there they know that other people have seen it but like you have to believe that like nobody investigated further nobody nobody went back that experienced it you know it's yeah it it, but it's fine sense. it's a minor thing it's, right. it's just it, so, on the yeah. spectrum of stuff I put that like yeah the mycelial network is weirder than that I, but it's yeah. definitely like a big like Eh, just wave your hand over it and totally. accept it. I think that if I had written it, I would have just had it open. I would have had the I would have had the wormhole open with the arrival of Cisco because yeah. he's the emissary, and then that could you could further that connection that there's something connecting Cisco to sure. the to the wormhole aliens. I half agree and with the, you, and I, that the uh, the emissary means something specific. I think I just have it like pop open all of a sudden. Right, Why uh, not? Yeah, I was gonna say don't have it open now. Have it have been closed and have it been like oh it's been like three thousand years or whatever. Sure, yeah. So it is now like yeah we knew that it was there but no one's been able to use it. Yeah, and maybe they and think of it like old faithful, but it's it's not faithful anymore. Right. Like it's maybe they thought it was a naturally occurring wormhole and it hasn't opened in nine thousand years or right, whatever. Right. And but then they discover that it, it maybe isn't natural and maybe is built by these creatures who live yeah. inside of it and still like having I mean everything else Cisco, about the episode can stay the same absolutely and Cisco being there is what activates it again you know yeah. that's hey, it Ryan, then it's welcome. Just, like I, I uh, Ryan Casey I say this all the time too is that writing is magic you can just like right. if you need to explain something it shouldn't take you more than a couple of sentences to make it make sense Dan says the wormhole aliens exist out of time, so they may have appeared in order to draw Cisco there at the right time. But it's really Dax that draws them there. Like Dax's uh, right. research, well, I don't know. It's we. I mean, we we have to back up a little bit here because it's mostly the 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 Kai asking to see Cisco, right? Telling him he's the emissary, uh, and then telling him to find the celestial temple. Like that's what. Well, that's why they go to look for it. Does she tell him you're the emissary and you have to find the celestial temple? I think she, she says funny, funny that one so something should be the emissary. She she oh, does right, call right. him the emissary to his face. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think he just goes to look for the celestial temple because he needs Kai to unite the Majoran so it doesn't go into civil war. I think he. My understanding was that they were looking for the Celestial Temple because they knew the Cardassians were looking for it, and they needed Bajor to stake a claim to it because it would be catastrophic they, for well, the... Well, they didn't know what the orbs do. They're like, here's right. the orbs, they've got these, and they're like, oh, well, you know, the Cardassians are working on them right now. To what end? We don't... That's another one where they're just kind of like, hey, 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 we need to find yeah, this thing. Yeah, that was a little sloppy also. The, the, the whole idea that the 
that there's this like race to, to the celestial temple in the middle of the episode where the Cardassians are looking for it too. Right. That felt a little sloppy. Also, I felt like the I felt like they they had this huge idea. There was a great idea of like this episode's gonna. Res- revolve around them finding the wormhole and moving the station next to the wormhole right. and and discovering the wormhole aliens and having this like spiritual connection with Cisco like that stuff all for me um, like really resonated like through and through and i think that some of the some of the explanations that they came up with to get people to that moment right. that they knew was what they needed to do didn't make sense yeah they just and it's like, kind of very thin yeah you yeah. just have to you accept it you're like okay don't look under the curtain too hard but I think that that's actually pretty common for Deep Space Nine. I right. think that the writing room on this show is more focused on the big moments. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the smaller things, uh, they just found the first thing they could think of that made sense and went with it. Right, right. And it usually, it almost always makes sense. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, like, seem possible. It at least makes sense. Right. It's why the stuff about them not giving them any better uh, military support is... Uh, always kind of rubs me the wrong way because that does seem like they want to keep the writers are keeping the station in peril for dramatic effect in the future when then they do eventually ramp up a war and then you know give them more stuff but it's weird out of the gate now that it's just like eh, it's just like a way station that people come to yeah even though it's hugely important I think that I, I think Starfleet is just run poorly <laughs> Um, I, I was thinking about it this time, like the idea that I think that there was a lot of pushback against the idea that this is the first Star Trek that's not moving through space. Right, this is the first right. one that's like still. And I think a lot of people were turned off by that who were Trek fans. I know I was at the time because I was a kid. So I think it's really interesting that they start the episode not only with like we're not going anywhere, but this place is a piece of shit. And, like, <laughs> and it is like the backwoods of the universe. And then by the end of the episode, it's not anymore. It's you know it's going to become a huge a hub, hub yeah. of commerce. And travel because we now have an instant point of contact between the Alpha Quadrant and the Gamma Quadrant. Right. Which, again, is such a cool idea that you discover a stable way to travel further than you ever traveled Mm -hmm. before. And you don't understand it, but you're allowed to use it. Like, And there's someone that presides over it that is on this other plane of existence. Like, that's all so cool. (laughs) And you could, I mean, that is such a fertile story that you could tell that story for years. And they do, like, quite effectively. Um, But... Where was I going with this? I got totally <laughs> lost. I got distracted. <laughs> that's the that's the bad part about live chat is sometimes I'll like read something as I'm talking and get distracted. Uh, the general idea is that that it's, they do some lazy explanations with sure. the wormhole, its existence. Oh, how they okay, you got it. thank you. Yes. So in the first episode, there's the, an arc to Deep Space Nine becoming an interesting place to be. And I actually wonder if they lost people at first because they're like, I don't want to watch a Star Trek that's not you know, action-oriented or, like, not moving from place to place, and then they start watching the episode and bail halfway through right. because it doesn't appeal to them because it's, like, not just not traveling through space, but they're in a shitty part of space. <laughs> right. So if you're looking for interesting stuff in space, it's not going to appeal to you until the end of the right. episode. Uh, I think that anyone who watched it all the way through would hopefully be turned on by the idea of, you know... Turned on is a weird way to say it, but uh, excited by the idea of being on Deep Space Nine when all these cool things are going to happen. Because I know for me, it definitely sets it up that way. Yeah. But I think the arc of the first episode as a whole is a long journey to becoming an interesting show. Yes. Where it kind of says, like, this isn't interesting, and it kind of sucks, and Cisco doesn't even want to be here. Right. But by the end of the episode, like, he has this sort of cosmic mission to, to uncover there. Which I think is awesome. Yeah, it's why you. Have oh to my get... God! Look at that question that Dan just asked. <laughs> you are opening a can of worms, <laughs> sir. Do you think DS Nine ripped off Babylon Five, even if just a first? 
So a little back backstory here. Doug and I actually recorded podcasts about every season of Babylon Five for my show Sci Fi with Jesse Mercury. Um, the last episode of which hasn't even come out yet mm-hmm. of us talking about the season five of Babylon Five. Uh, but we talked about this so much mm-hmm. when we talked about Babylon Five. The fact that there is this whole backstory of like, did Babylon Five, um, did DS Nine rip off Babylon Five? Because right. like J. Michael Straczynski, the writer of of B Five, had submitted a spec script to Paramount, who made Deep Space Nine, right. and they came out at the same time. Right. So and his show was about a space station, right. with People living on it, and, and there was a jump gate where, right. He, like, right next to the right station, next to the thing, right? So and pe- then everyone came to one them. of the main characters is sort of like a religious figure to these yep. aliens, yep. and it's very similar. There's two people named Ducat. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, hey, Fluttershy, what's up? So and the, I just opened a, a can of wormhole aliens. Uh, <laughs> my thought is, even if they did straight up rip it off, it, it's like, do you rip off the idea of having like a, a group of people traveling through space and meeting aliens? It's such a basic premise, you right. know. Uh, it's what you do with it makes a difference, you know? I think that Babylon 5 ripped off the concept of Star Trek and its very existence in a lot of ways. Well, the- I think that I think doing a show in space with a crew is impossible to do without ripping off Star Trek because Star Trek was the one that caught on. You know, there was other shows sure. that did it. There's, like, there's Lost in Space. There's, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, 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 Battlestar Galactica, the mm-hmm. old show, which kind of ripped off Star Wars. But right. I don't know. I mean, you have Star Wars and you have Star Trek. You have kind of like the ro- rollicking space adventure and you have the more militarized version. Space yeah. 1999. Yeah. More mil- thank you, Justin. The more militarized version of uh, space travel. And Star Trek was the one that got the militarized version first. So everything else kind of has to reference it. I think that there are so many similarities on the surface between B5 and Deep Space Nine. I think there is some suspicious stuff that happened there that maybe maybe some of JMS's ideas ended up making their way into DS9. Well, who cares? They're just ideas. But that's the thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, like Doug said, it's what you do with it that matters. And I think that what those two shows did with it is so wildly different that none, yeah. of, those, none of those similarities become anything more than superficial and, to me, are kind of not important. Two shows about malls in space could not be more different. <laughs> Yeah, like the there's... promenade and the Zocalo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're changing everything for me, Doug. You're changing it all. I love shows about space malls. Space malls. We should just make a show called Space, space Malls. malls. <laughs> it would look exactly like this, except we it's just us sitting at a mall. Yeah. And like and there's just weird creatures walking by us and we're talking. It's very cheap. See, Babylon 5 made the mistake of never going to the lives of the people who ran shops in Space Mall. Right. Deep Space Someone Nine mentioned like, Garrick earlier in the chat, and yeah. I, I forgot to come back to it. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Garrick, what yeah. Garrick comes later. Well, yeah, because that's because I was going to say is like they yeah. go into Garrick, the 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 tailor. The tailor, yeah. We we already have again Quark one of my favorite Quark. characters. And also very Western. You know yeah, what I mean? Very like Western, that's totally. that's a I think that's not a typical space show trope of like oh the dude who makes clothes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Garrick is a in an age of replicators. Sure, why not? <laughs> Totally. I think he's he's the well, and Quark is a shop owner too. Yeah. And there's a horrible episode in season one where you go into the the behind the scenes of running uh, Quarks and like competition coming up, and it's terrible. But there's a lot of horrible episodes. In season yeah, one. there's a fair amount. I mean, <laughs> hey, Andy's back. How's your bike? Hello. Track? Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> I want my spot. Yeah, get in here. Get on there. Thank Andy's you. Back. Oh. I need a larger green screen. Is the problem? We can't oh. all quite. No, you need to. Yeah, you need here. to zoom in on the. Yeah, Garrick is amazing. His perform. I, I, some. 
I'm excited to go episode by episode and claim our favorite characters because I right. think that mm. Garrick, Dax, Cisco, Odo, and Quark, and O'Brien, and Kira all have a chance of being my favorite <laughs> character. You know? <laughs> did you just list did all I the miss characters? Every, did I miss anybody? And I gotta say, Gul Dukat is actually uh, an, an amazing. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I will check my check my Discord. I think you mean. Yeah, I'll check that after for sure. The I wire seen the was wire. so good. It is good. Huh. Um, I like it. The Wire in Space. Oh, SSJ, welcome, man. Thank you. Hello. I'm very excited about this layout, you guys. I built this yesterday. <laughs> it's pretty I'm cool. Very and I've actually been coral. Yeah, I'm looking pretty good. If I get my head over this way a little bit, then. then the, well, there we go. <laughs> We're Check perfect. my Discord right now. Yeah, just hold I, that for I now. cannot concentrate on that many things at once. <laughs> it's hard um, it's out of angle. I am curious, though. I'm going to do it. I'm checking my Discord. I don't like checking my Discord during streams, but some sometimes. I'll do it. Oh. That was definitely not worth it. <laughs> that is very strange. What is that? I don't even know. Well, back to the stream. Check your Discord. Check your Discord. Never check your Discord. Ah. Yeah, never check the Discord. It's not <laughs> worth it. Never do it. Whenever someone tells you during a stream to check the Discord, I, I am going to just say no. Because <laughs> it's unless it's something rule. that I have asked for to send to me on Discord, I'm going to say no. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I... I mean, just by talking about the characters, we've broken down most of the episode, but there's, there's a few things that I want to talk about. Sure. we got to talk about uh, Kai Opaka mm. approaching Cisco and the way that that happens, where you have this interesting uh, religious figure that we know to be called Vedix from... from uh, I saw the funny, but this is not the time. <laughs> uh, I, the... The guy like approaches Cisco and said, "It is time it to is like time. go see Kyle yeah, Parker." Yeah, yeah. It seems like they just know that uh, that something about Cisco is like connected to something right. about the their religion. It's like very nebulous what's Prophet happening that, is yeah. conf- that was really confusing I, like, I yeah. like to imagine anytime somebody shows up they're like you have to touch this orb now it's time and they're like oh, well that didn't go anywhere yeah well, but maybe this guy maybe it's him yeah. this, this also applies to my feeling that this show is very intuitive with its storytelling because when you introduce a religious figure and their reasons are nebulous you kind of buy it as a sure. as an audience mm. member. You kind of go along with it at least. Right. Well, that's religion. You're just yeah. like, okay. And yeah, I mean, with, yeah, with Deep Space Nine, they explain all of it. You know, they get into it all of all of it in like excruciating detail that right. I really like. Yeah, because now they've. I mean, this it's called emissary, and the uh, uh, Kaiopaka said like, oh, when he's touching his squeezing your ear you're the emissary even though you're kind of a grumpus uh-huh. uh, but they don't it's in it's only in the later ones where they're like oh no he's like a religious figure that they worship and hmm. you know right. like Kira is viewing him as like you're kind of like a Moses type person or whatever hmm. yeah and that'll all happen like that'll very happen soon like uh, the whole idea of that is presented like within yeah. I think like the next episode yeah this is all just this yeah. is all just the setup for it you know? yeah yeah awesome. basically but I I, I adore Kaiopaka I'm gonna keep I, participating I'm just gonna say okay okay um, I think Kyle Pock is a fantastic character. I think that that actress is a brilliant choice. I think she embodies the whole. Uh, oh, did I move too far? No, we're good. Uh, she like embodies the wisdom that that character needs. Yes, because we'll meet other Kai's throughout the show, and they're so different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kyle Pock is by far my favorite Kai. For some reason, I feel like she's straight out of Sister Act. I know that that actress was not in Sister Act. She feels very nice. But I expect her to start going, I will follow him, like, any second, you know? Like, she, she comes across like as that. a singing nun. Yeah, she does. I, I love her, and I Isn't love... is she a religious figure? Yes. Yeah. So, and I mean, it, she looks like she's in a habit, you know? Space nun. 
Yeah, thank Thanks, you, Dan. Man. Actually, Dan, uh, Dan is now a moderator. Boom. We need, Woo. we need someone, and Dan is is a brilliant choice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know Dan, he's another game streamer. He has the world record for getting the most amount of moons in Super Mario Odyssey without oh, getting hit. Yeah, Dan, wow. I heard that you beat your own world record recently. Congratulations. Yeah, he beat his he 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 beat his own world record by like I forgot like 140 moons or something Jesus in like a 13-hour stream. Oof. I watched for a couple hours in the middle. It was very exciting. It was very cool. Yeah, he yeah he smashed his own record. It was really cool. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I really I really like. The Bajoran religion in this show as a whole. Yeah. Um, this is another area where Deep Space Nine, as a show, does a deeper does exploration a really of something that was introduced in TNG. Right. Mm. And, you know, at the beginning of the episode, yeah. there's like the first captain's log that Cisco makes when they're getting to DS9 uh, in the very beginning of the show, the thing that he says, like, the Cardassians have finally left Bajor after the occupation, whatever it is, uh, is like a captain's log you'd hear in any episode of Next Generation that would be just about that episode. Like, this political situation is happening right. here, and it only matters for this episode. Here's some exposition and light flavoring. Yeah. But then, all of a sudden, like, that that one captain's log resonates across the entire show yeah. because they're not going anywhere. Right. Because they're staying put in this one place over this planet and the political situation on the planet is fascinating. Yeah. And I think that it took them a little while to, they kind of had to explain it over and over before it kind of sunk in for me like Again, what was actually happening. Well, and it's the nature of them doing it uh, episodic. episodic yeah. A serialized thing, they wouldn't explain it over and over. They would explain it slowly over a long period of time. Right. And then if you went back, you'd be like, oh yeah, I, now I know this. And it makes sense as it goes. Right. But with episodic, it's like, oh, by the way, the Cardassians occupied this place for 50 years, and oh, I've been fighting for all this time, and right. this is an important religion. You know, they just have to keep restating the premise. That, that continues to be true for Major Kira, that yeah. she, like, fought that for, for her whole life. They do ease off it a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, another analogy of Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5 is that Babylon 5 starts off very episodic with the intention of becoming a fully serialized thing, and Deep Space Nine kind of backs into it where they're like, we're doing episodic, but boy, this is just not going to work. We have to start to move towards a more serialized show. Right. And they also, I think in the first couple seasons, they're more serializing um, the premise right. than the story. Yeah. And then I think they start to serialize the story. Yeah. But even just serializing the premise is interesting to me in yes. a Star Trek show because it's... Because before, it's just been the characters <laughs> are the only things that are, you know, the ship and then the people on it, and then there's no real through line. They're just bouncing around to different shit. Yeah. Hi, Scarlet. I, that's very funny to me. <laughs> Sometimes in sci-fi streams, people come in and start talking about Mario Maker, and I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, <laughs> we're not playing Mario Maker right now. Um, hello, Scarlet. Welcome. I can talk about Mario Maker. Ask me any question. <laughs> it's a program you use to make Mario levels. We've played it together go. before. We have. Yeah. It's real hard. Long before I started streaming, I think. <gasps> for like one one day, we just... Play, I don't remember why, but we ended up playing. We're doing a we, podcast. I think we did a podcast, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, we're yeah. like, let's, let's play Mario Maker. Play Mario. Yeah. Um, I played a, a level you made, or a level mm -hmm. you had... Uh, yeah, it was a level... I think I made you play a level I made. Yeah. His levels are and then hard. and then and then watch and laugh, <laughs> which is now what everyone else does to I me. Get <laughs> yeah, totally. But I get I get why people do that. Sure, like, I'm yeah. Anyway, Super Mario for me. Once I once once you get like the feather and fire, I'm like this game's done. It's <laughs> too complicated. <laughs> Forget it. It's not just like Dude, jumping should, and bouncing. You should see some Kaizo levels. It's it's I beyond complicated. Oh, well, I did play some uh, Mario Odyssey. 
Mm. Or what's the? Is that on the switch? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you get to throw the hat with yeah. the eyes at people. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? We, it was fun. We did a two-player version. Yeah, with, we did that uh, a little too. Where I got to play the hat, and it's great because <laughs> the hat you're like an indestructible sentient <laughs> monster. You're like Odo. Yeah, and then the yeah. other person can be like try to throw you when it wants to. Yeah, but you're kind of. What do we think about the theory that maybe Cappy is a changeling? Well, uh, it's it's like a ghost hat, though, isn't it? Yeah. I thought it yeah. was like the ghost of a dead hat that could possess <laughs> other hats. All right, I think you're right. <laughs> ghost hat. Well put. Was that enough Mario talk for you? Yeah, there you go, Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what was... The, okay, so then I also... I, just, I think we've talked a lot about being inside the wormhole. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole part of the show, though, is is so interesting. Hey, Nico, what's up? Thanks for coming. That whole that whole part of the show is so interesting because you have Kira and O'Brien trying to keep the station together right. and right. trying to like move the station to protect the wormhole to stake that claim. Mm-hmm. As much as that almost makes sense, I'm still on board with it. Uh, like. I love the idea of trying to move the space station too. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. that's a really cool thing to do in the first episode, like showing it's like, well, all these people who said they don't want to be on a show or the not a state space station that can't go anywhere. Fuck you! It can go to the wormhole, you know, <laughs> like it can go like a light year, uh, and it can they can make it lighter somehow and move it super quick. I don't that barely space makes sense. magic. You space make it, magic, you make a yeah. force field bubble around it. Now you just fly through space. Yeah, but I really enjoy all that, and I I think that if you're looking at who saves the day in this episode. I think that it's arguable that it's Kira because mm. I think the obvious answer is Benjamin Sisko because he right. he kind of parlays with the with the wormhole aliens. He has super so he, Deus Machina. Yeah, out of the to, to, he comes out with like towing the Cardassian ship. To, it's all cool. It all happened yeah, off screen. Was I all, was laying down good. in a puddle of milk for a while, <laughs> and now this. I was on a very hard shelf of milk, and I could stand on it for some reason. Uh, yeah. Over my dead wife, and I caught this asshole. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, he kind of he is the Deus Ex, Ex Machina at the end of the episode where he comes to save the day. But I think Kira, without yeah. Kira com- being in command and keeping the whole thing together, yeah. the space station blows up before they get there exactly. because the Cardassians destroy it. She had to she had to trick the Cardassian into not blowing them up right away. Yeah, she like bluffed how many um, right. like torpedoes they have and shit with all the new Starfleet stuff. Yeah, but the they guy did who successfully right because the sensors on the other ship read. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the one guy's like, "No, it's definitely fake." And then his other friend is like, "Yeah, but maybe not." <laughs> yeah. Not, but dude, yeah. the guy who played the the commander of the the Cardassian vessel was so delightfully over the top. Oh yeah. Mm. He's just like, "How can you have that many weapons?" Well, you have to you have to chew the scenery as a Cardassian. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. we'll get to it later, but they do one where it's like an understated Cardassian, and it's really well done. Huh. Is that uh, are you talking about Garrick? No, no, no. I, it, it, Damar? It, uh, yes. I wait, love Damar. Wait, is Damar the drunk? Yes. Not Damar, though. Okay, bye. Bye, Andy. Up, it's someone's father. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But that, that's like a. But that reminds me. That we need to talk a little bit more about Gul Dukat because mm-hmm. uh, Gul Dukat's also in the running for favorite character for me. Right. Uh, Mark Alimo was in. has played a couple of Star Trek characters. He was in. Um, the TNG episodes where Data goes to San Francisco during the Old right, West. Right, More Kanar for Damar. <laughs> Didn't he also play a Cardassian back when they wore football helmets? Right, yeah. In the first episode with Cardassians, he was a Cardassian. He's one of those... He's the actor that is always going to be associated with Cardassians, much right. like Armin Shiverman is always associated with Ferengi. Ferengi right. Um, what's up, iDragon? Welcome. Yeah, Michael I, Dorn with Klingons. Yeah, Michael Dorn with Klingons, for sure. Although Martok is my favorite Klingon. Yeah, Still my fair. favorite. Uh... The way that 
that Gul Dukat is portrayed is continually walking this knife edge between like utterly despicable and maybe maybe kind of likable right throughout all seven years except for the vi- the end I hate what they do with him in the last <laughs> season that's the third thing that re- that I hate about Deep Space Nine there's only three things that I think were like big missteps I'm gonna add to that list as we go <laughs> uh, but there's three that I can remember no four there's four there's four things <laughs> that, that I hate every time I watch it well, I but, but that's pretty good for seven years of TV yeah, you know yeah. and I'll just name them right now I mean uh <laughs> What they do with Kern, I despise. Yep. What they do in season seven with, um, with uh, Gul Dukat mm-hmm. and uh, involving Kai Wayne, it's just I, I didn't like all that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, any episode in which we are inside Doctor Bashir's mind, <laughs> <laughs> throw it away. Who would want to do that? Uh, and then there was four, right? What was mm-hmm. the other? Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> Oh, the thing with with Cisco in the beginning of season seven, we found out with that the, quick. Yeah, there it is. What's up, Lucky? Welcome. Yeah. So those are the four I'm sticking to in as of right now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I love Gold Ducat. I think that he's his relationship with Cisco is fantastic. Like he's like your like last week that was my chair. Yes. You know? <laughs> and so this is something that uh, other Star Treks hadn't done. None of the other '90s Treks did. None of them. None of the Star Treks did. Which is an ongoing villain. Right, where um, a big bad for the entire series for the entire series, yeah, yeah. and but, not even yeah. like a big bad to defeat, but just like a, a, a oh. an antagonist who isn't just like ah, see you later. Yeah, he's they just kind of did that with Q, but Gul Dukat has Q an is impact. Just a foppish space wizard. It's not like <laughs> an antagonist. It's just the, Q is like, did you think this was science fiction? Well, fuck all, y'all. It's space magic. <gasps> oh, I That's love what it. Q that, is. That is the best description of Q that I've ever heard. Foppish <laughs> space wizard. Yeah. What do I think of what they did with Kaelas's Batleth? It was okay. There's a there's there's some stuff with Worf that rides the line of of upsetting me. But but uh, there's a lot about the show that's still bad, but yeah. not upsetting. I know? hope that the people that have these questions are at least come back in for the episodes yeah because we will go into it we will go into it for sure uh, um, inside the mind type episodes yeah in yeah. this series they did a terrible job with it they this as much as I do like Deep Space Nine one of its biggest flaws are when they're like boy there is not much to do on a space station what if we could just casually go to a mirror dimension okay let's do that although those episodes are great what if we can go into people's minds they, yeah. just, they just have to come up with more reasons to be like just anything but not in the fucking wall totally hey Marco what's up Although I, I have to amend my statement that when you go into Dr. Bashir's mind or Dr. Bashir goes into another's so mind, <laughs> that's one category of bad to me. Those are all bad. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Cisco saves the day. And then the, the episode, the big kind of wrap-up of the episode is that now we have a portal to the Gamma Quadrant, and right. now, like, this show is going to be about what happens when, when you have a portal to another quadrant right. here. and if you are on your way to the Gamma Quadrant, and you want to stop off for some snacks, or maybe some gas, or just to get liquored up for a few other wormhole. Or a really good hospirate, you know? Uh, some good hospirates. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you need your clothes tailored. Maybe, Your space yeah. clothes tailored by a space tailor. Because you don't want to look like a schlub in the Gamma Quadrant. Right. Stop at Deep Space Nine. Right. Stop Could at you Space Mall. just... Warp right in front of the uh, wormhole and then go through without stopping? Absolutely. 
But but should you? No, definitely not. Stop because and say hi. Maybe you'll find yourself in a situation <laughs> where you get to watch one creature run from other creatures who are trying to kill him, or maybe you'll get to see someone discover where his people came from, or you know maybe you'll get to uh, I don't know live a story. Yeah. Maybe Data will be working on trying to dream because there was that crossover episode and he'll get the help of a friendly backwoods doctor from the outside of space. I don't know, but you should definitely stop through Deep Space Nine because it's going to be a good time. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I love this episode. Yeah. I think that... Well, let's get into... Let's get into our post game here. Okay, yeah. We're uh, starting to land so, the ship. Yeah, so when we are... When we're doing this... Ep- the, this it's not a podcast, whatever. This show, this live show that we're doing. In every episode, we're going to talk about the episode of Deep Space Nine we're talking about. But when we get to the end of talking about that episode, we're going to rate it. And we're uh, going to talk about our favorite character from the episode and our favorite performance in the episode. Okay. And then also open it up to you guys for like Q&A. I mean, yeah. I'll talk for as long as people have questions to ask. And if you guys want to talk about like stuff beyond Deep Space Nine, like gaming or Star Trek or sci-fi or whatever, I'm Mario totally game for that. Yeah, Mario Maker. Uh, whatever you guys want to do, if you have questions, we'll answer it. But let's I build a Mario. But but let's. I just spit on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I deserved it. But let's rate this episode. Yeah. I and we need a rating system. Scale of one to oh. a one to ten. Odos or quarks or <laughs> I was or joking before. Warfs. The, the number was well, zero. There's zero warfs in this episode. <laughs> well, yes, because he's not in this one. Yeah. Um, so what should we have our naming system be? Mm. Icarzope. <laughs> uh, I'm playing Wind Waker, and we had to name. The character and Andy was playing with me, and we, we named him one letter at a time. We switched off, and we came up with Icarzope. That's good. Warp jumps, bars of latinum. Yeah, latinum is good. Is this uh, strips? Uh, strips of gold pressed latinum. Strips, bars, good. and what's the? I thought there was there was three strips, bars. I don't know. Ingots. <laughs> yeah. What else is good? What has a good? What has the best ring to it? Do you think for a zero to ten? Rating scale. Bars of latinum. Bars of latinum. Yeah, since Great. it's not the currency in the thing. Okay, um, I think that this episode is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that it has a little bit of a logical flaw in the middle, but uh, that's the only thing I can find in this episode to fault it with. Mm-hmm. I I want to give this episode a perfect score because emotionally for me it yeah. has such a great arc. And, and the instinctual storytelling in the episode is so... Oh, bricks. Slip, bricks. strips, bars, and bricks. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Slip, Strips, Bars, and Bricks. bricks. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Justin. That is amazing. Uh, I, I, the, as with most of Deep Space Nine, the instinctual like uh, feeling of where the show should go is so satisfied. Like I'm never like, man, I wish they'd done something else. Because like, it's just so satisfying. There's, there's a couple of issues later on where... There will be a story where it's like, man, that does not feel like that's what I wanted. Right. But in this episode, the way that it ends up and, you know, the arc that all most of the characters take and the introduction of all the characters, for me, are all spot on. And mm-hmm. I really want to give it a perfect score. A lot of times you have to tell people, don't bother with the pilot. But here, right. definitely bother with the pilot. I think that this is, by leaps and bounds, the absolute best premiere of any Star Trek. For my money. It's the second I, best. I think... <laughs> fuck you with Discovery. I actually think Discovery... The pilot of Discovery is the second best pilot of all of Star Trek. I will give you that. That I think that the pilot of Discovery was fantastic. And I really loved it. And I was super pumped for more Discovery. But yeah. I, I was let down by that. And maybe someday we'll get into that yeah. on, on this show. Once it has more than 13 episodes. Yeah. Finish. I mean, yeah. Maybe... <clears throat> 
you know, we can talk about that later. But anyway, my only, my only, the only thing stopping me from giving it a perfect score is the the logic flaws of like how have they not discovered the wormhole and the way that they kind of push. Dax and Cisco into going to the wormhole. It almost makes sense, but not quite. Mm-hmm. So I'm tempted to give it a 9.5 for that. Ooh, yeah. um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a 9.5. I, it actually kind of breaks my heart to not give it a 10 because I, I adore this so much. But I, I have to, I have to be critical and. I think it's going to be more interesting for for this show, for Doug Space Nine, if I am as critical as I can possibly be and give this a 9.5, just because my logic was tripped up and because Miles O'Brien making those comments about Kira, I think is unfair to her character <laughs> yeah. and kind of sets her up in, in a... It makes Miles kind of gross. And it's, a, it's a little obnoxious. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to live in a future where... Like that sort of like, do you do you think don't you know this about our women? Like that type of thing is gone because it's so annoying. But, but I recognize that that is all over Star Trek, yeah. and I you can't get rid of it. And I think Miles O'Brien's trick. Yeah, Miles O'Brien on the scale of like being a disgusting version of that is on the low end of that. <laughs> I think he's like more on the harmless end of that. Uh, uh, Scarlet says the way you're talking. I think I'll give it a ten. Ooh. Um, Oh, we should do a poll in chat also. Oh, yeah, chat poll. We're gonna do a chat poll also. Uh, so for me, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a nine point five. Okay, so eight, eight, uh, eight bars, five strips. <laughs> no, nine. Nine. nine no, oh yeah. Nine okay. bars, five strips. Nine bars, five strips. Is that is, is strips, dips, larps, and and blarps? What was slips, it? Slips is the lowest. There, slips, strips, bars, bricks. <laughs> oh. Everything I said is real. LARPing is real, but then Blarp is the name of the little alien from Lost in Space, the movie. Remember Blarp? No. <laughs> so, yeah. Slips, strips, bars, and, and bricks. bricks. Right. So I just arbitrarily said it's free. 9.5 is nine bars, five strips. Okay. So is every strip is half a bar? Or is every bar half a brick? You're overthinking it. I mean, there's probably. I think I'm not it. thinking it enough. <laughs> I just made it up. We could look online to see. Yeah, it's, it's probably a decimal. It's probably. I'm gonna like... give it 9.5, and I'm gonna try to translate that into latinum later. Okay. Because I like that a lot. And I'm gonna go with uh, eight bars, five strips myself. 8.5. Okay. And I am going to give it also. I thought of another rating. I'm gonna give it uh, seven space mushrooms. <laughs> On how fucking weird space magic mycelial network uh, nonsense this is. So I love it. Yeah. Okay. So how do we how do we make a poll? Because I can only make options. Let's let's give it a perfect oh, I 10, see. 10. 9. 5, uh, Not well. You did eight. Eight point five. I did 8.5. 8.5, sorry. You don't have to give every... You can give every ranking? I'm not going to give every... I'm going to go down to what you did. Oh, yeah. So, anywhere between what you did... And then, and then I'm just going to say lower. lower. Okay, yeah, that's good. <laughs> so we, if if you're lower than me, we don't really care. Yeah, we don't. We don't. Care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, so let's run this. This uh, we're going to run this poll right now. There's the link in the chat. So if you want to rate this episode <laughs> with us, we're going to get a chat rating also. And I'm going to build a spreadsheet to to put this all together. Hashtag weird space mushrooms. Space mushrooms. Uh, did Justin give it four mushrooms, or he's just mentioning mushrooms? <laughs> I've never played a Mario Party game. Uh, I have played Mario Party on GameCube. 
Wait, unless there was one yeah. for the Wii, for the Wii. Was there was there? one on the Wii. Oh, and is it like you're like on this like on a, yeah, game yeah, on board? board. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, I did play That's one it. of those. That's Boy, it. I was fucking drunk. <laughs> Don't remember what was going on. It was chaotic. Yeah, there's a new one coming out like this week. Oh, cool. Someone just spent seven thousand dollars to buy a version that someone found on the ground and put up on eBay. Wow. What probably happened is that someone stole it from Nintendo and then Nintendo paid seven thousand dollars to buy it back. <laughs> right, That's right, my right, theory. right. It was found in Seattle, which is interesting because Nintendo of America is in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, could. It's all yeah. very interesting. All works out. Okay, uh, so while that poll is running, we got to talk about favorite character. Oh yeah, sure. For me, uh, the favorite character changes. I jumped right ahead to answering questions. Every episode. No, that's great. I love it. Man, this is. I want to keep it loosey goosey. Loosey, well, that's what you gave with me, baby. I like it. Um, For me, my favorite character in this episode, this is going to be weird, but it's actually Jadzia Dex. Oh, Because I think that in the first episode, as you are introducing all of the characters, the one that appeals to me the most, that I want to learn the most about, is Dax. Is that because you have an unnatural attraction to kangaroo people? (laughs) Maybe. Weird skin. Um, Do you notice that 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 pouch is not like closed? Right. I watched this. I was like, oh, they right. don't just like unzip her and stick the monster in her. Right. It's just like it's they like, just have whoop. a pouch and slide. Yeah, she has in. a pouch like a kangaroo. Yeah, it's weird. It's awesome. It's super cool, and that works because she's an alien. Yeah. Uh, I there's something about her that is just so appealing, compelling, compelling. She's so poised. She's so mm-hmm. intelligent. She's so like she's, she smiles a lot. She's like very witty. She likes to have a good time. She's lived a long time and knows how to live well because of that and is like a very centered person. Um, but then has like this well of memories. And I love that she, like Cisco and, and she talk about how Bashir is going to go out on at a date with her, right. but like, does he know about like that you were an old man a couple months ago or however long it's been? Like, does he care about that? And I think mean, that's an interesting can of worms to open up. Can of wormholes to can open wormholes. up. Uh, like, does <laughs> is it uh, harder for trill for trills to date non trills who can't understand? I hope I remember can of wormholes. Oh, well, I will make you okay. remember can of wormholes. <laughs> you start writing down there, Lincoln. Yeah, because there's an episode. The first episode with the trill is in the next generation, and Doctor Crusher falls in love with the trill, uh, who is yeah. then transferred into Riker's body, and she right. continues the, the affair. But then when the trill is transferred to a woman's body, she ends it, and yeah. that always really bothered me. Yeah. I was like, how can you see this person you, that you love in someone that you have a relationship with? Because that's right. kind of strange, uh, and you're kind of using his body, and that's kind of strange. Well, and they don't. But then, you, but then you have no interest in a woman uh, just because it's a woman. Like she didn't even give it a chance. It, for me, I, I just felt like this is they just rebooted the trills for here the way right, that Discovery totally. did for Klingons. So it's better with the reboot because you swoop out. It is out better some with the trills. Yeah. I mean, the Klingons. I think it, I do not think it, the reboot was better in Discovery. Absolutely but I think, necessary. And, uh, only necessary to hide an actor in a mask. Bullshit. <laughs> uh, but, but in this case, I think what they did with the trill like really works, and I don't mind the redesign. I love the spots, and I I had a friend in college, Robin, who I think like did the spots for Halloween one year, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. I, and I think that Jadzia Dax is just a fantastic role model as a character, mm. and just such a strong character, all in all. That when when you meet her, I just want to be her best friend. Um, and because yeah. of that, yeah. she's my favorite character in this episode. Okay, and then who's your favorite uh, actor? Well, you have a favorite character. Oh, I want to be uh, loosey-goosey. Cisco. But not that way. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Cisco. Just, and it's it's more an artifact of the amount of screen time that he gets. Is that his character, of course, because he's the commander of the new uh, space mall, so he gets to do a lot more negotiating with the local shopkeeps and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and he has the emotional arc. So as just as a narrative thing, he actually has... A, a, a thing come to a conclusion, you know. Yeah. And through the nature of the time ghosts in the wormhole, they 
they get to kind of cheat and show the beginning, middle, and ending of his relationship with Jennifer, where it would normally not be possible to tell that in the story without it basically being the life of Cisco up until now. So they get to chop that up, salad it around, but you still get to see the arc in a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. So just as a character, I like that. I Cisco is my second choice, and I think at, in this episode, I like his character arc better. But I'm still more drawn to Jadzia as a as a character. Sure. Like if uh, the way I'm gonna answer this question every time, like who who did I most want to be friends with oh, yeah. in that episode? And yeah. I, um, or who did I most want to like be around? I guess is, oh, is yeah, how yeah. I think of favorite characters. Like in Star Wars, you want to hang oh, out with Han Solo. Hang out you know? With? Yeah. Oh, That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. But mm. but it can be whatever it wants, whatever who you want I to be. Hang out with. I mean, if it was me, I would just be down at Quarks all the time losing and stealing latinum you know yeah i mean if it's just if it's me for real who would i want to hang out the most with would just not be quark but that's who it would wind up being is like be mourn well, mourn yeah because yeah. it's the, these these are the people that have got the booze um <laughs> but i love i loved your answer for favorite character for this episode yeah it's just great. as a satisfying yeah uh, for my spreadsheet part for my spreadsheet I'm still <laughs> with Cisco. I'm still what with about Cisco. you guys who does anyone have anyone different that they think are their favorite character because we can vote on that too. All right, let's look at the results for rating. All right, so the winner is nine point five. We have a ten and a nine in there also. Yep. Uh, Sorry, but high scores, high scores yeah. for the first. No one episode. went lower than me. Yeah. No one also. No one also agreed with me. But that's fine. But that's okay. That's fine. I like discovering. What You're you do. wrong about a lot of things, and that's <laughs> so am I. That's yeah. okay. I mean, it's, there's also no. I mean, there's never going to be a right or wrong in this scenario. Right, but it is unless we're talking about your opinions about discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to make a new poll so we can vote on favorite character. Uh, yeah, straw polls are great. Yeah. Favorite, favorite character. character. So we got a Cisco. Cisco. And we've got a, a Dax. Belly monster. Belly monster. <laughs> Dax, Jadzia is the name of my Stardew Valley character, and all of my, uh, all of my animals are named after, um, Deep Space Nine characters. Nice. Um... Are you putting other people in the poll or just the two? I'm going to put other... If anyone has other people they want in the poll, let me know. <laughs> All right, Kira. We're putting Kira in the poll. Yeah. If you have, a, if you want to vote for Wait, someone... We just do it real quick. Kira, Miles... Yeah, okay, let's do it. Kira, Miles... Miles... Um, Odo... Odo... Um, Quark... Quark... Ducat... Ducat... That's it. Now if someone wants someone else out of that... Like, yeah. We could, we could be voting for Kai. Kai win. One of you. Um... I feel like there was oh Bashir. <laughs> yeah. Don't vote for Bashir. I'll ban you from the channel. <laughs> New rule. I take all your latinum and ban you from the channel for life. Okay, so there's the next poll for you guys. <laughs> okay, so then let's talk about best performance because best performance. for me uh, there's one performance in this episode that really goes above and beyond all the others. Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks. Absolutely. His eye no acting question. is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. And even though even though I came away from this like him not being my... I mean, he's like my second favorite character so far. Uh, just for this episode, yeah. We're just talking about this episode. Because yeah. it's going to change week to week. And I, my curiosity is like, who is my favorite character Overall, in Deep Space Nine? Right. I don't know that answer. But if you ask yourself in each episode... Me, what's up? You can, Welcome. You can find a, a, a spreadsheet, yeah. map it all out, and you'll yeah. see like, oh, here it is. Yeah, we can see who who is my actual favorite character and who's dogs, and then like who does chat vote for. So I, I want to map that just because I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think Avery Brooks' performance... Uh, I think that it is on the line of being... I could see how it would be too much for people, 
Uh, yeah, Die Hard. This is just the first episode of Deep Space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we talked about the first episode for twice the length of the episode. Itself. Yes, exactly. We've literally gone an hour over how long the episode is so far, and we're not done. Um, yeah, so... Uh, for me, like all of the weird choices that he makes and the way that he like uses his body in strange ways, and he's a, he's he fe- it feels like alive. He's like yeah. a, it's, it's a very vital performance. Yes, it's that's really, such a good way of putting he's it. So compelling, and he looks yeah. like a man who has mannerisms. Yeah, and I don't think that most actors go that far. Yeah. to make mannerisms. And if you look at him in interviews outside of the show, he's completely dissimilar from yeah. from Benjamin Sisko. Yeah. He he created a man, yeah, you know, yeah. who has mannerisms and quirks, yeah. and and swagger, and uh, it's just like a, br- a brilliant performance, mm-hmm. and really I good. am obsessed with it. Yeah, and I kept turning to Andy and being like, "Did you see what he did yeah. with his eyes? Like, <laughs> did you see what he did with his hands? And that noise that he made was so cool, and yeah. <laughs> um, the way that he like touches Jake's face, yeah. is so amazing. And, and I do and think on the surface, though, it's easy for people to look at that and be like, "Eh, that's weird," or write it off, or think that it's or think that it's too much, or like, too yeah. Th- like Shakespearean or too theatery or something. I but don't that's know. what's. I mean, if you cannot sit here and say that you do not like Avery Brooks acting because it's too Shakespearean, and then also acknowledge that TNG is the second best Star Trek because <laughs> that is a hundred percent what they were doing there. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're both in agreement. Yeah. yeah. All right. Does anyone have any other and anyone else to nominate for best performance? <laughs> and then let's look at favorite character here. Oh shit! We have a tie for favorite character. Cisco. Oh, so Cisco, Kira, and Bashir. Well, that that tie will get broken once we ban. <laughs> no, I love Bashir. Okay, we need we need we need a tiebreaker. Someone else has to vote in the straw poll, or we can't move on. And we are fucking we stuck here for the rest of time because I can't make a spreadsheet with a fucking tie. <laughs> so if if you guys don't vote, we're gonna have a tiebreaker. You're gonna have to keep refreshing the. Refresh results. Yay! It's Dr. Bashir! Two ah, <laughs> you assholes are banned! <laughs> Alright, I love it. Dr. Bashir is the favorite character of the chat. My turn to In episode one. <laughs> oh, destroy space! <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Ugh, that's worse than thinking Discovery is the best show. But the thing is, is that, like, I think that the, the, the chat vote is not going to be something that we should take seriously. <laughs> okay, uh, best performance. Does anyone have anyone else to nominate? Because we'll just call it Cisco by default, unless we have a another nominate nomination. Okay, Bashir is nominated for uh, uh, for uh, broke the tie. best performance. <laughs> Your Andy called. Everyone's got an Andy. It's great. I want an Andy. Who, who else do we think stands out for best performance? Uh, I did think that uh, Kira Nana Kira visitor. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a well done. I I. It'll start to come up more over the length of the show, but I do think the female characters are kind of not given the best material to work with. Some aggressively so. Uh, But I do think that uh, uh, Nana Visitor was able to overcome what I thought are some shortcomings of of the way uh, Kira is is presented. In that whole thing of, like, let's make her this, like, you know... Uh, be careful of uh, Bajoran women. She's kind of a hard ass, like right. they all are. But right. she, I think she adds a humanity to it uh, that is that is worth acting. And honestly, like as much as I do like Jed Z and I do like the actor, uh, I don't think in this episode anything is is 
nothing stands out. It's just like, ah, okay, you did your job. You know, I, you did your I thing. Agree. You're there, I, and you're you're like you're a cute young person who's also like an old soul. Like, but that to me is you enough, didn't fuck you know? it up. Yeah, you know? that to me is enough because it's so tantalizing Ooh, to get to learn more about that character. Quark, that would be um, Quark. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. He's actually Quark really good in this. Consistently, um, Armin. Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, he consistently plays Quark. It's 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 bouncing on that edge of hammy overacting, but still having it be like a person, a, a real character, a character that is fleshed out in your mind. Yeah. Where. Uh, the the dude who plays Ducat, you see that more over time because he definitely rides that line too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the other Cardassian people, it's like ah, oh, you just ham it up. Like you, yeah. The Cardassians are written as Same. hammy characters. <laughs> you have to play them over the top. I mean, they're like they're like Klingons who are just more subtle about being dickheads. You know. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. I you, was. You have to play them that. Way. The one. The 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 Klingon guest star in this episode for me it was almost too over the top like I love Dukat I think he's like the perfect one but then the the commander of that other ship that was negotiating with Kira I thought was almost too much oh Cardassian I thought you yeah yeah did okay. I say Klingon you said Klingon I was like oh okay. I meant Cardassian sorry yeah, 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 okay. yeah. no we were cool okay, the poll, we're in this thing the poll is running I actually put Picard in there because I think Picard's performance eh, that's a, Patrick Stewart's almost performance I mean, it's just is like, really good in this episode by this point in time if he can't at least phone it in at that level you know oh, what the are you new, doing I'm sorry the new link doesn't work I didn't put create poll sorry okay so here's the new poll for best performance so far we're unanimous on Cisco but let's see what you guys think yeah and I get there's a difference between the performance and the writing of it too and sometimes you are dealt a bad hand in that sense yeah yeah definitely and I for me there there is a real separation in there and if we were going to look at like best written character in this episode, it would be something different. But I, yeah. that's too many polls. Yeah. I think three, three is great. That's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. But then at the end of season one, I think we should maybe do an episode where we talk about season one of Babylon Five and whether or not this was better yeah. or worse. We can't. It's got to be the held up to it. Hi. What you doing? Hi. I'm going to send a hammock your way. Oh, fun. Andy Hammock. That sounds great. In the hat, Andy Hammock. Time. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do it without a giant pillow and a blanket. It wouldn't be a hammock without a giant pillow and a blanket. Hi. Oh, man. Uh, Andy, do you mind shutting the door? I'm back. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, adding Riker to Enterprise is maybe the worst. Hey, Jason. No, you're here, man. You made it. We're, we're, we're at the end of the episode, but we're definitely going to chat for a bit more. Yeah, people. Well, as long as people have, have people questions, questions to ask yeah. us. Yeah. And the, the, that's, you might put up the, the version of it somewhere. Or yeah, oh, I'll, I'm going to leave this up for people to check out. And I, I'm, re- I'm recording it also. Did we start recording after the break? No. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. Hooray! Hey. <laughs> I was worried. Yeah, I'm recording this also. So uh, we've talked about the potential of releasing this as a podcast. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. Um, maybe a Patreon bonus? Maybe a Patreon bonus or something like that. I don't know. If, if people want to list, want to have this where they can listen to it without having to be on YouTube because like YouTube makes you keep it open unless you have YouTube Red. Right. Oh, look at that. Maybe just hit me up on the download and I'll slide your copy. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, but if that's something people want, we might consider releasing it as a podcast. Um, yeah. Well, I think we did it. I think we did the episode. I think so. Is there anything else about this episode we want to talk about? Or do people have any questions about this episode? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or really, just at this point, any questions you want to ask, we're especially about Mario Maker. <laughs> we're open to if you guys just want to chat, we're here. <laughs> somebody had uh, somebody had a lot of Mario questions. Oh, we have a tie between Cisco, Cisco and Kira for best performance. We need we need another 
What about Smash Ultimate? Yeah, I've never played a Smash game. I'm not really interested in fighting games, to be honest. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, have you ever played, like, Mortal Kombat or anything? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I played Mortal Kombat with a friend years ago, I was, like, losing to her, mm-hmm. but I really felt like I was just button mashing. Yeah, that's so all I ever do with I games. literally closed my eyes <laughs> and button mashed and won. Yeah. I didn't tell her I was doing it, but I literally <laughs> won, uh, I think, like, twice. And at that point, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to play these. Like, this, <laughs> I, I'm not drawn to this naturally, and I'm not, like, necessarily interested in fighting games. Just the mechanics of it is not right. necessarily what I enjoy doing. Um, and then because of that on top of it, it kind of just drove me away from fighting games in general. So I really don't play them at all. I, I, yeah. I had a special place for Mortal Kombat, I think. No, Street Fighter. In my heart, because I was playing that when it was when it came out in the arcades, and there wasn't like a you know easily accessible information network where you could go up and get all the moves. It was a thing that was passed around between like watching people play or talking to people like, oh, here's the thing you do to make the fireball, and you would watch people play Street Fighter and be like, holy fuck, that guy's making the thing do the thing, you know. <laughs> so there was it was a bit more. Um, mystery and excitement to it and the button mashing could land you into these like oh look I discovered a thing where now I feel like that's not quite there it's just like mm. oh you go online and you list all the special moves and yeah uh, another friend of mine like a year ago brought over his PS4 and Andy and I played some uh, Mortal Kombat with him and he like went into the He's menus hey Chris what's up man uh, he went into the menus and like showed us some of the moves and there's like so like up down left right X X B and or something. It's so much to memorize, uh, and I know that I could probably get it over time. But I'm it's not because I don't have a natural predilection to want to do that. It just seems like too much work. Right. Uh, did right, you watch so, DS? Oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say. So there oh, yeah. Smash Brothers. There you go. Did you watch DS Nine when it first premiered? And what were your expectations compared to TNG or TOS before it? I 100 percent watched it when it first came out, and I was bored, stupid. <laughs> I watched it. and I was like, oh my god! I can. I distinctly remember every time he was in the wormhole. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Wow. Because it was just like there's nothing happening. They're not. They're not in space shooting stuff. And I did keep watching it though because you know it's. It's still Star Trek, and uh, you got to give Star Trek a chance. And I did like it better, and I and I think I kept watching it until maybe season five or six, wow. and then the war stuff. Just I was like, ugh, all right, this is I'm kind of done with this. Um, so I never finished it the first airing, and then I went back recently, like last year, and rewatched it. I was like, oh, this is a lot better than I thought. Wow, yeah. When I tried second it, second best. I tried it when it first came out, and I was a like diehard. TNG nerd already, mm-hmm. and I was really turned off by the fact that Picard was kind of the kind of a bad guy, and that you never had a moment where Cisco says "I forgive you," you know, and right. I kind of wanted that. And now, as an adult, I love that you don't have that. Yeah. I, the handshake is, is forgiveness enough yeah. at the end. I, I um, took it almost as Picard is like, get over yourself. I mean, like, right? I think Picard is relieved enough that this guy is willing to forgive him enough to like be civil to him. Yeah, that he recognizes that Cisco is kind of is mature enough to do this job because there's a moment where you you're almost worried that Picard is going to report that you know Cisco wanted to be reassigned right. and now doesn't want to be reassigned. Well, I th- th- we didn't talk about that earlier when we were talking yeah. about it. But that is interesting because the dynamic there I took it to be Cisco is like I don't want this job and that's when Picard is like who the fuck are you? Like you don't get right. to decide jobs. Right. And then Cisco's like well maybe I just quit this stupid space military. 
Right. And that creates a weird tension. Right. But then, yeah, Picard comes around later on when Cisco's like, I think I want to stay. Picard isn't like, well, you just said you didn't want to be here. So. Yeah, he asked to not, Cisco asked Picard not to submit that report. And Picard says, I'm not sure I can do that because, mm-hmm. like, I now question your ability to do this job. Right. Um, but yeah, I, there's a lot of. I mean, that's those scenes, and then the scene with Picard and Miles O'Brien. There's a lot that goes unsaid in both of those scenes that scenes that you kind of feel through the acting yeah, performances, yep. which I think is actually really great, and I really like. But anyway, the first time I saw it, mm, right. I didn't I didn't get a lot of that. I was yeah, I was very piece. young. I mean, when did this premiere? Let's check. This 94. premiered ninety uh, three, January third, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. So, uh, I would have been nine years old. <laughs> I was yeah. twenty one. <laughs> uh, I was like nine. It right. was it was over my head. Right. And I watched a little bit of the first season oh, as were, a nine year old, and I didn't get it. You were too young to be bored. <laughs> I I was just confused, and I actually like just oh nice, you're nine as well. I actually quit watching it Shout as a nine year old because it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And then uh, in yeah, my in teens, the, I, like you probably didn't even grasp that much of the TNG. It's just like I just loved space it. Show. Yeah, yeah, I just loved it. Might I well adored it. What I got from TNG was like how to relate to other people positively. Oh, and as a nine year old, that was really good for me. And yeah, for me, this it was show just... was all like complex shades of gray, <laughs> right. and I didn't understand any of it, and it kind of depressed me. It's like when golf comes on after you're watching cartoons, like, oh my god, oh, <laughs> people don't need Saturdays so for kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I came back to it as a teenager because a friend of mine in middle school recommended it to me. And he's like, man, if you like TNG, you should really try Deep Space Nine. So I started watching it and really liked it and watched a little bit with him. And then when I got into college, it was airing on TNT, I think. So I started um, taping it every day on, on VHS tapes. And I had a giant box full of Deep Space Nine tapes. Wow. And at one point, I went to Europe when I was 19. And it was during the run of Deep Space Nine that I was watching. And the girl I was dating at the time... Um, actually took up the mantle of taping Deep Space Nine for me every day so that I could make sure I didn't miss an episode. Wow. And that's the that's the view through where I watched all the way up to the end of the show except for like three three or six episodes or something that right. I didn't watch because um, I'm... Oh, you know what happened is I missed the taping of the last episode. Mm. I didn't have the very last episode <laughs> or I missed one that was like two episodes prior or something and it's like so serialized at the end right. that you can't watch the end of it. Uh, that's what happened is that I, I didn't want to finish it without watching every single episode so I actually didn't see the end of the show for years until I was uh, in my um, I was around 25 I think and right now I'm 34 25 or 26 I watched the whole show start to finish uh, I like downloaded the entire series at that point you can watch it on Netflix now but you couldn't then and I like right. I, I pirated it I'm not admitting to that <laughs> well that's why for me even that I got through five seasons of it and I'm saying I was probably spotty because it's, it's back in the old days where you had to like be at a certain place at a certain time to watch it so right. that's a lot of dedication for Star Trek totally and I like this one Jason is easier. I watch it with my dad every week was a fond memory of mine watching Star Trek with him. We actually watched Discovery over the summer while I was visiting him. So what did you think of it? I hope that you both enjoyed Discovery. I think as it is terrible. Your first or second favorite Star Trek show. I, Are I, you banned from the chat? I enjoyed Discovery because sometimes watching a, a trash fire of a show can be fun. 
the same way everyone felt about Deep Space Nine when it came out. Yeah, but I, Deep Space Nine, like my love of it thing really evolved over time. We didn't, we didn't really time. talk about is that people hated Deep Space Nine when it came out. Star yeah. Trek fans, Star Trek fans are ridiculous. They hated TNG when it came out. Right. They hated Deep Space Nine. They hated right. Voyager. And you know if they hate everything, if Discovery gets better, I will totally better. love it. It like, will get better. If it gets better, I will be on board. It's but the best Star Trek show. Of course, it's going to get better. That is trust me. I live in insanity time. that makes no sense. I'm already aware. I that's a show where I would want to watch it in real time with you and pick, <laughs> pick apart everything that's stupid about yeah, it. Yeah, when when season two starts, yeah, we'll do maybe, a side thing. Maybe that's like the the Patreon extra show. Yeah. <laughs> or or like maybe in like three years we do that. Every episode is a minute long and it's just you going, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? And me going, yeah. <laughs> 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 Credits. <laughs> a trash fire with purple frog Klingons, says John. Uh, Justin's waiting for the new Picard series. Oh, yeah, yeah, I talked about that in a podcast that's coming out very soon. I can't believe that's not a joke, because when I first saw it, I was like, that's a funny joke. And it's like, nah, they're doing it. Yeah, I... if Because it's post-Dominion War, I'm excited about it. Because it's like post-Deep Space Nine continuity, and post-Voyager continuity, right. which nothing else has done, you know? Like, right. the, the furthest into the timeline we've gotten is Star Trek Nemesis, I Nothing think. outside of, like, the beta canon. I think Nemesis happens after the end of Deep Space Nine, if I'm remembering correctly. That sounds right. Yeah, and then there's actually official canon continuity with the comic book tie-in for uh, the 2009 reboot of Star Trek that right. actually ties that movie into the furthest point of the continuity that we've seen, which right. was really good. It's really good. I really liked it. Um, so I, I recommend that. They don't hate the Orville. I loved the Orville. Yeah, I like it. The Orville... Yeah. I'm not one of the people who's like, the Orville is the real Star Trek. No, it's just a good... It's, a, it's Sorry, I shouldn't say it's a good parody, but it is a solid... Uh, even parody of of the Star Trek universe, you know. I think that I think that it is a better Star Trek show than Discovery. Nah. I think it's, that it's. I mean, it's a better '90s Star Trek show if you're stuck living in the past, which I am, <laughs> and it is. I think that if you look at like the the general episode, like episodic nature of Star Trek, as far as you know, having a moral dilemma that has to be unfolded throughout the right. course of the series, or an emotional trauma to deal with, or something. Sure, like. The Orville is doing that more than... Okay, if you say that, then to me that's like saying that the... Um, what was it on Black Mirror, the SS something... I didn't see that, but I know what you're talking about. Saying that that is a better version of the original series. Like, it's fair, but it's also... Yeah. They're wildly different things. Or saying you know? that Galaxy Quest is the second best Star Trek <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, um, but also, I mean, the fact that, you know... Brandon Braga is a executive producer and writer on that show, and they have some behind-the-scenes talent that... Like, Brandon Braga was the showrunner for uh, Enterprise and I think co-showrunner on, on Voyager and worked right. on Next Generation. And Seth MacFarlane has just had a hard-on to be a Starship captain since he was a teenager. Right. Have you seen the, the video? There's, like, a YouTube video of him... Yeah, yeah, I saw the, that. The, yeah, like, making his own thing. And then he was in Enterprise. He played a, a, right. the, the cameo as an engineer. Right. It, it was, it's like if I was able to make a Star Trek show, right. I would probably make something pretty close to TNG, which yeah. he's done with more Dick and Virgin. My point about Orville, apart from yeah, the level of sophistication of the humor, is that I don't think you could do a 90s style Star Trek now without it being an investigation into the tropes through satire, parody, or making it a little more, I don't know, grim. Um, right. And Discovery is grim but the aesthetics are different you know yeah I think what bothers me about Discovery is that it's uh, the drama is so unnecessarily forced 
they just like make everything more extreme than it needs to be for the story which makes it confusing and also false feeling to me yeah. so to me it, it it felt like uh like like I love the hundred, you know. Right. The hundred is that way. Yeah, it's all. But it's also up. it's a trashy teen show. Well, we'll talk as Deep Space Nine devolves into a trashy relationship yeah. show. <laughs> so gets, I, I feel like Discovery, soap opera. Discovery is more like a like a like trashy teen show to me. Right, me look and I the, like that sometimes, but for me, I wanted something different. Looking at the chat for somebody who's agreeing with me. <laughs> you got to look hard. Yeah, Orville is more Star Trek than Discovery. Wrong. Excited about Paul Shear's new Galaxy Quest. What? Oh, didn't know about that. What? There's a new Galaxy Quest. Hold on, I'm looking this up. He's Googling that. Oh, if you do like space show comedy, though, if you can find it, check out what? other space. Oh, no, this is this is old news, and this never happened. Oh. The Amazon thing. Uh, that's 2017. Uh, Paul Shear says his Galaxy Quest TV show will be what The Force Awakens is to Star Wars. Oh, that's 2018. All right, this is from AV Club. This, this was from uh, last month. This right? is a month-old article. So that's... Um, that let's could be happening. See. But TV check out Other Space. It was like a short-lived Yahoo show. Oh, it's show. on hold. Currently on hold after its champion at TV at Paramount TV. President Amy Powell was recently fired. So this might not happen. Uh, but Sheer is confident that the show will eventually move forward as part of Amazon's streaming library. Yeah. Although he's yet to confirm whether any of the film's original cast would be back for the sequel. He's previously said the series will be a mix of old and new characters with an eye on the cultural resurgence of public geekery in the 19 years <laughs> since the film came out. Public geekery. Public geekery. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I am very excited about that if it's happening because I fucking love Galaxy Quest. I rewatched that a year ago and it, it's so held up. It's oh, so good. And if you like uh, sci fi parody, check out uh, the first three episodes of the podcast Radio LARP. Oh, yeah, Doug has a, a sci fi comedy podcast. Um, RadioLARP.com? Yeah. We haven't put out episodes in like two years, but we did like three, three or four episodes of a scripted uh, sci fi comedy radio play. L-A-R-P, right? Radiolarp.com, yeah. Cool, I'm going to add a command for that. Ooh. Command! Is this where we make people go listen to my... Doug, sci-fi... What do you call it? Sci-fi fiction podcast? Or? Uh, genre fiction radio play podcast. Me and radio. Ryan Casey. Oh, shit, Amanda just donated a dollar. Boom! Thank you so much. Look, Star Trek and Star Wars ex existing together. Nice. I almost wore my Darth Vader t-shirt. <laughs> Did you see this giant Darth Vader back here? No. What is this? That was oh, Jesus, yeah. It to me last <laughs> night for my birthday. It's like Isn't that creeping awesome? behind the speakers. Sci-fi radio play podcast. Yeah, yes. Uh, let's see. HTTP uh, backslash backslash. No, no W's. Oh, no W's. Those are, those are gauche. All right. Uh, Radiolarp.com? Yep. Boom! So, Command Radio Larp will bring that up. Oh, nice. Does that link work? Let's find out. Am I paying my bills? That yeah, works. There's it your show. Yeah. And yeah, Ryan Casey's... I don't know... Uh, yeah, he's here in the, the chat show, right Ryan now, Casey. and he, he's on that show. And Ryan has been on... Um, what did Ryan boo? <laughs> oh, the, the show maybe not happening. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, Ryan's actually been on, on here before. We did a sci-fi on trial, mm -hmm. and he's been on my podcast a ton, too. And then he was in every episode of sci-fi on trial. Nice. And moved to L.A. Moved to, to L.A. To pursue... Bigger and better things. Bigger and bigger, better things. Yeah, well, um, this stream's got 12 people right now, baby! Yeah, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Who's famous uh, now? 
Uh, we'll see if a new Stargate ever materializes either. I have not seen the the web series that they put out, Stargate Com or Stargate Continuum. Command, right? Continuum. Continuum. Commandium. Commandium. Stargate Commandium. I haven't watched that yet, but I really want to see it. There's been talk for years about Roland Emmerich actually continuing his original trilogy ideas for Stargate, which would completely disregard decades of TV <laughs> storytelling and, and basically Just officially say that the Stargate movie universe is a different universe than the TV universe. That's funny. Um, I've watched every episode of every Stargate show and fucking love it. I think Stargate Universe is incredible. Stargate Atlantis is incredible. SG-1 is, is a little rocky, but when it gets good, it's like better than all of it combined. Um... And and I love the movie, and it would be really interesting to see yeah. Rowan Emmerich come back to that now and continue that story. Although he did that with Independence Day, and it didn't really go over that well. Right. But I loved Independence Day Resurgence. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that universe cliffhanger! I know it's painful. It, it is. <laughs> it is simultaneously a painful cliffhanger and an appropriate end for the show at the same time in a weird way, which doesn't make sense. But did we ever? Oh man, we never got our best performance. We still have a. We still have a, a tie. We'll have to get Andy to break the tie for okay. best performance. No, we just well, yeah. Or do we just call it for Cisco because yeah, we both we, think it? We just call it a tie. Let's call it a tie. Hold on, we're we're voting on best performance. What's up, Ghost Boo? Voting on best performance still for for emissary for the first episode. We need one more vote to break that tie. Help us out. <laughs> Hashtag discovery is a trash fire. <laughs> You'll eat your words one day. Yeah, Amanda, thanks again for that donation. You're awesome. I'm telling you, the people that hate on Discover are going to look as ridiculous as the people that are on the street protesting TNG. Oh, you broke our tie again. Nice. Uh, did you do it? No! <laughs> <laughs> he voted for Quark. Yeah, that breaks the tie. We got a three-way tie. <laughs> no. Someone else help. Help, help, help. <laughs> oh man, what else? You guys got more questions for us? Andy. Andy. We need to break a tie. Who okay. who was the best performer? What was the best performance in the first episode of Deep Space Nine? Cisco, Kira, or Quark? From an acting perspective. Okay, you're gonna have to remind which one's Quark? Quark is the Ferengi bar keep. Big the big ears. Oh, we got two votes for Kira now. Puts his hand on Kira's hip. The tie has been broken. She threatens to break his hand off. Oh, who's, who broke the tie? I'm not sure. Ryan. Kira's in the lead. If you want to vote, click this link and Ryan's, vote in that straw poll. Ryan's uh, voice voting. Ryan says Cisco. <laughs> I don't... Uh, to be honest, to evaluate the acting, I might have to rewatch it when I'm more awake. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, that's fair. Okay, that she's okay? abstaining. That's, that's fair. fair. <laughs> When he's on the beach and his feet are hot, it's so realistic. <laughs> yeah, totally. It is a good... I mean, it's like he's switched from lying in the weird white milk to being on the beach, and then... Ow! Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> it's great! Okay, well, Kira wins best performance for the chat vote. Yay! We both think it's Cisco, but Kira wins the chat vote. Well earned. Well... Guys, this was incredible. This was good. I really enjoyed this. So here's the question. Do we want to, in the future, talk about one episode at a time or two? Mm. Um, 
because we talked about two today. Yeah, it's a two parter. My vote is two, but not that I get input. But that means I yeah, can let's watch do two. Yeah. Once. But yeah. then the other question is, I mean, we I think we've talked about doing this every other week. Yeah. Is that still feeling like the right call to you? Yeah. We could, okay. And then we could do two because it's like we watch two, watch yeah. one a week. I think that's great. I yeah. think two every other week. Yeah. So we're gonna watch two episodes for next time. It'll be good because we will get the disjointedness of it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We're gonna be watching. Past Prologue, which is episode two, and we'll watch A Man Alone, which is episode three. Ah, great. And then we'll do this in two weeks, same time, same place, 2 p.m., Friday, right here. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, this was fantastic. I really, really had a blast. Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us for the first ever Doug Space Nine. Super fun. And we'll see you next time. And with that, this massive episode of Space Nerds has reached its conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Until next time, stay nerdy out there. Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash Sci-Fi. If you love this podcast, help me spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform, leaving us a positive rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice, or by contacting me directly via email at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. For more cosmic content, including my sci-fi synth-pop album, music videos, podcasts, and live streams, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!